For the record and for the benefit of any future legal case, Russell Brand. <laughs> Radio X. Hello, you're listening to Desert Island Discs. For rights reasons, we can't we play started. no music or nothing like that. But if you want to listen to other episodes of Desert Island Discs, you can. Matt, what was that racket? This is Russell Brand podcast. What was that racket? You're rifling through the bins like an urban fox. me Fox. being a good um, citizen and yeah. sorting my rubbish out. Mm. So I put the remains of the burger in the general bin and the cardboard box in the recycling bin. Well, it's, what it sounded like was a, it sounded like something from West Side Story. It sounded like a scuffle in an alleyway between two rival gangs that well, were using for some dance reason, instead of violence. The uh, recycling thing works more like a post box. It's got like a little... Yeah, that's to make sure you put the right things in there, mate. G's here as well. You right, G? Yeah, real, real good. Can I just say that, I, mm. that, I, that this whole Ed Stafford thing, yeah. I framed it in a silly way to be funny. Yeah. Saying it was a non-sexual crush or whatever. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want it to be framed like that. When you used to say that I fancied Slash and stuff, it undermined the time when I met him. Just so if we do, <laughs> right, let's just get this straight. So you and that's probably the wrong word to use. When we meet Ed Stafford or have Ed Stafford on the line. Here are the sort of things not to say. Ed, Matt fancies you. He prefers the episodes where you don't have to wear any trunky donkeys. Kissy, kissy. Boo-boo-loo. Give us a cuddle, old son. Matt loves you. Matt's your boyfriend. Tell us a bit about survival. Could a man survive just by kissing another man's nutbag? <laughs> that sort of stuff. None of that, yeah? Yeah. I've never fancied another man. I'd okay. admit it if I had. Have you? Not fancied, but I feel very, very attracted to some men. Like, I just want to fling my arms about them, twine That's my... enough about me. ...mine <laughs> arms about them like a vine, pulling them ever closer, choking them. All right, well, let's listen to the radio show. Hang on, you can't just say that and then... Oh, it's just the beginning. I thought this was the this end. This is just the beginning, yeah. So, of my, of my confessions <laughs> about homosexuality. Let's, uh, let's... But now let's do... Have a listen to the radio show, because then things are going to make a lot more sense. We talked about Flat Earth. We talked about me. I did an unusual amount of promo, for example, for my book Recovery on my forthcoming shows, 31st of October. Billy Graham. uh, Yeah, because I am a bit like a preacher now. I'm a bit like, I'd like to be known as Pastor Russ from now on, if that's okay. (laughs) Just if you don't mind calling me Pastor Russ. Blessing books. Yeah, I've been blessing. Bless up, man. Bless the hell up. See you around the back. Okay, see you around. Oh, see you around. Oh, what's this at the front? Oh, it's a confusing bubble. It's a confusing bubble. Who's this round the back? The vinegar stripe. Radio X. Russell Brand. Have <coughs> 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 <laughs> we been introduced? <laughs> and on the seventh day. The Lord... Well, I don't know what he did, really. I mean, he records rested. are sketchy. Hmm? He rested, apparently. He rested. But we don't rest because this is Radio X and I'm oh, Russell Brand. Do you see? I'm a professional broadcaster. Morrissey spent the day in bed. What day? Oh, I see. Yeah, I understand. It's a song. Oh, right, yeah. Oh, that's what we just were playing. Yes, that's I the I thought it was a reference to my love of Morrissey and possibly using that as a way into this... Welcome, welcome all ye world-weary travellers, wherever you are in the globe. You may be feeling listless, broken and spent. You may be feeling accursed. You may think you can trust no one. For the next two hours, you are safe. Take refuge in these tones and vibrations. Trust my soothing voice, for we will offer you sanctuary. And more than that, intimate 
physical contact down through the lug holes these vibrations will travel and if I remember science correctly there's something called an anvil a hammer and a stirrup that's the one thing I remember from science except for bunch of burners yeah. yeah three little jangly bones and we will be jangling those bones to freedom joining me here in the Radio X studio in professional circumstances and in fellowship is Matthew Morgan uh, hello are you alright mate good Feeling upbeat about things? Yeah, doing all right, yeah. I've been in America. I know. I've seen you. Did you, you see me there? In... through the media. Did you see me seeping Quickly through? Quickly shutting windows on my computer. <laughs> there he is again. <laughs> Matthew, I'm a Bill Maher now. Yeah. <laughs> How many chat shows did you do? A few. All of them. I was cropping up left and right, weren't about I? Oprah, did you see her? Sadly, I didn't get to see Oprah. No, why, don't you? Why? What happened? You said she, she had little feet like piggy trotters. <laughs> I never would say that. Not about Auntie Oprah. I've always loved her. I'll be on there no time at all. The old book, Recovery, doing very well all around the world. If you haven't got your copy yet, that's probably why you're feeling so miserable and broken inside. Recovery, the solution. I'm tapping it now. I've seen pictures of you on Instagram, right? <clears throat> Where you look like... Literally, it's gone to your head that you're Jesus. Oh, yeah. You're blessing it? people. Oh, the blessings. You What's don't have to bless people. <laughs> what it's blessing? Got hand, you've got your hand on people's heads. Yeah. You're What's... cuddling people, holding What's... them to you. What have you got against exactly my blessings and my rituals and my rights? I just think you've, it's got, you've gone mad. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been a bit like this, though, haven't I? Yes, you yeah. have. But now you've got a self-help book out. Mm. And people are, I mean... I know. can heal you. What was that woman you used to go and have a hug from? Amina, the hug. Amma, just Amma. Amma. That's where Sorry. I learned a lot of my hugs from her. You ripped off her old act. <laughs> <laughs> Come to me, for I will heal thee. For the next two hours on Radio X, I will put up with mild bickering and intolerance of my greatness. But once this ends, I'm back out there doing the blessings. If you need, a, actually, if you would like a good old blessing, come check me, London Apollo, Hammersmith Apollo, 31st of October, 1st of November. I will be there in all my glory. So will Mr G, so will Matt Morgan. Would you bless objects if someone brought you something and said, would you bless this for me? I probably would, you know. Right, bless that book. I want to see how you do it. Do it seriously, though. What would you do? Someone goes, To bless the book? Yeah, this is for my daughter. She's in... Uh... I'll tell you something, Matt. I don't much care for the way you're undermining my blessings. No, I want to see it. You I want to see under- what you do. You want to ridicule it. If I you don't. need to see my blessings, check me on Instagram, where I've probably got a good and sensible name, not Matt underscore Morgan. I'm true Russell Brand, I think. Well, at least I run my own thing. Well, I, I can't look I at it in case someone hurts my feelings. And I had a look at—I had a look at yours, actually. Me and my wife were having a look, and I was very impressed with some of your jokes. I saw a tree with a face. Very funny. I found that tree. It freaked me out. I was riding past <clears> it. It had a real human face. It was very Ghibli-esque. And you may not know what I mean by Ghibli because you're not very cultured, but there's a type of Japanese film, Ghibli, and that was Ghibli-esque, that tree. I don't believe there's a word in Japanese that's Ghibli. Yeah, Ghibli Studios, spirited away, very good film. Oh, that, oh, yeah, yeah. Don't say, oh, that. Well, bless your book. I'm not blessing my Do book Do a now. blessing. But you can come was see that me that first. That tap? <laughs> <laughs> you remember what my blessings used to be like back in 2006. Now the blessings are a lot more sacred and a lot more loving. Uh, yeah, come see me at the Apollo. You're going to come, are you, Matthew? On the, which one are you coming to? Yes, all of them. The Matt Morgan Appreciation <laughs> Society might be there. G, yeah, be there, when yeah. am I going to see you? Maybe when? you'll come out and do some poems for a change. Yeah, get, yeah. get off your ass yeah. <laughs> and do some poems. I, I, Matt, I remember like when we were on tour and like we used to have to like we used to have to factor in his blessing at the end of the show. Like with the, well, with, been, how long's this been going on? I've been blessing people a while now. I think. Hang on, his blessing, or was it the blessings? Was his backstage blessings? No, no, no. I'm <laughs> talking on stage. <laughs> Wait, they doing, were special. Doing the full 
let me heal you. Oh, you know? Russell. Look, hold on. Look, I didn't offer up the blessings. People come to me and they need love, and I will give them that love. If I can make people feel a little bit better you with cure. one of my blessings. Oh, God, imagine someone got better after one of your blessings. <laughs> it's only a matter of time, isn't it? Just by sheer chance. The amount of blessings I've given out. And they couldn't, get a positive they couldn't effect. change the stage until he finished. So all the staff were backstage. All the oh. stagehands were back, just waiting for it to finish. Cursing him. Listen, if you want some genuine help, excuse me for burping, off of old Russ, you can go to, you can get my book off Amazon, or you can get the audio book, very good audio book, or you can get it off of russellbrand.com. Get it. I need to stay near the top of those charts. You know me. I'm a vain, fragile, brittle man. And being near the top of charts is what I live for. Hello, mate. There's Alberto who works here, touching his heart as a fellow working person always will when they see old Russ, because they know it is he that walks before them, leading you to the promised land of where you basically were anyway. Had indigestion. (laughs) Not now, though. He's fit as a fiddle. And that's no coincidence, let me tell you. All right, coming up on the show, we've got 18 minutes of songs and adverts. Some of those songs are selected by an algo rhythm. It's a magical rhythm that knows how to select things. But we are at least real, aren't we? Maybe an algo rhythm's real. It's invented by a human. Do you care? Have Don't you ever care. cared? None hmm? of this is real to me. None of it is actually probably it's just a real. Strange dream. Beautiful dream. Just a moment. And in fact, thinking about it, I'm glad you've said that because when I came out of my dream from last night, when I first was in the intersection between the unconscious dream mind and the conscious mind, there were a series of interesting geometric shapes in what I would call the center, visual center, at least, of my consciousness. And it made me understand that the underlying pattern of reality is a series of geometric shapes. We'll be talking about that more. <laughs> I don't think we need to cover that again. You've covered that. That there, is a, that there is an ulterior reality made of geometry. I mean, yeah. in a way, there must be. Yeah. What is geometry? Maths and numbers and fractals underpin everything they're under there and i saw them earlier the promised land and that's why i'll be doing some of the old blessings you wake up out of bed and go get zooks i've seen seen it it again i've seen it i saw that get my quill (laughs) (laughs) i have been to a hidden realm in the shapes again my quill my quill the shapes (laughs) oh they've gone What did I tell you, woman? If ever I leap up in my wee willy winky nightgown, you're to fix my quill. Right, it's a curse. <laughs> Go into the garden and cut me a switch from the tree. I'll be lashing the back of those legs. Then you'll remember the quill more quickly. Oh dear. That's all been happening. Also, last week we learned, or like the last time we bothered to turn up, because last week it was uh, we had substitute teacher in. Who does it when we're not here? Uh, Izzy. Thank you, Izzy, for standing in for us. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, but before that, we were talking about witchcraft. I listened to the last radio show we did. Did you? While running on a jogging machine in a gym in America between my numerous TV appearances. Bill Maher, that went well. Did you watch me? Did you I even did, I've, seen, I've seen bits of things. Uh-huh. I did you watch any Well, I'm not in America. I'm going to watch it all On properly. the YouTube or something, or one of the internet channels I will. available I will. to you. I'll well, it's very you. funny, Matt. You should yeah? see me. Oh, yeah, God. Oh, that was good. So there's 18 minutes. There's adverts and songs. There's a man called Mark Sargent, who's a flat-earth theorist. Now, this is simply because rapper Bob is raising funds to check if the earth is flat. US rapper Bob is crowdfunding the launch of... Come on, B-O-B. That's right, Bob. The launch of satellites to see if he can get some evidence to the contrary. He don't reckon the world is round. The rapper, whose real name is Bobby Ray Simmons Jr., not Bob, tricky, has been a vocal proponent of the flat earth theory and he claims the earth is in fact a disc and not spherical. But it doesn't matter, does it? Why do we care whether it's flat or a disc? It's not like saying, oh, the financial industry is controlled by a few 
elite groups or whatever, where you go, oh, that's why this is happening. Like, just, I mean, just to go back slightly, Bob. if my name was Bobby Ray Simmons Jr., yeah. I'd have that as my performing name. Because you like that. Not B-O-B. Yeah, no, silly. That's I mean, rubbish. It's up to him, though. He's probably doing very well. He must be able to. He's sending satellites to space, mate. He's doing so well. Yeah, well, he's deluded, he's... isn't he? <laughs> oh, in some respects, possibly. Some proponents of the flat earth theory claim NASA employees guard the edge of the world to prevent people falling off. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine believing that. Wow. Oh, God, he's, he's I wonder starting what to... we do believe that's of comparable foolishness to that. People stopping people toppling off the edge of a planet. That is an unusual belief, What's isn't under, it? If it's a flat earth, what do they think's on the other side of it? I don't see what actual bloody difference it makes, in all honesty. Like, I mean, I, I'm going to go with those pictures, those images from space. I'm going to go on the basis that they're not fake. Those photographs of the planet we're on. Looks round. And also, when I've been on an aeroplane, it looks round. Sometimes that bit where you're up there looking at it. Of course, I was meant to go to space, wasn't I? As you recall. Yes, you had a ticket for Virgin Space. I was going to go up to space. Actually, where is that space ticket? Where's the? I don't think the space thing exists. Didn't it crash in the desert? Oh, hello, hello. One of its tests crashed. Maybe yeah, it's yeah. like he's abandoned it. Maybe. Yeah, he probably abandoned it, isn't it? Still have a go. I could pop up to space. I'm starting this GoFundMe. It says Bob because I'd like to send one, if not multiple, satellites as far in space as I can. Ah, oh, he's <laughs> ambitious, isn't he? Or into orbit as I can to find the curve. He said, "I'm looking for the curve." I think I've seen it, mate. I've seen the curve. You don't even have to go that yeah, high up like to see bridges, it. Aren't bridges curved? If you, if you look at the sea, like when you're on a ferry or something, you can see the curve. What's mm. he saying? Neil deGrasse Tyson, the scientist, has already said, look, mate, we've got evidence already. You're worrying yourself silly over something you need. And I saw a thing on Twitter once where someone said, um, <clears throat> a flat earth theorist was saying, people all around the globe believe in this stuff. That's the globe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and around. <Yeah>. He unconsciously believes <laughs> <laughs> it himself. Yeah. Whether it's under there in Australia, look. Which People you... all across the flat bit All across it. the plains of this flat planet believe this. Well, while we're on the subject of saying stuff, which evidently we are, I've, as you know, for the last decade now, been reading Moby Dick, and I'd like to share a little bit. But not uh, just reading it, reading it on a Kindle. That's right, Kindle. Which I've new. never seen you have. You always walk around with a book. That's right, but it's the Kindle now. Is it new, though? Have I've had this new? a while. I've got off my wife. That's right. It's the settled life now. Weird you having technology. I took my baby and my wife to America. Very stressful, Matthew, isn't it, to have a family? Yes. You've got to look it's after a living them. living hell. That little one always <laughs> wants to eat. Living hell, that's describes it. Always wants something to eat. The other adult one that's like you... Well, there's its various moods. Well, I admire you taking them with you, but then what I would do is go, oh, God, I've got four days off. Right. I'm going on my own. For old Russ, it's best to stay ensconced within the family unit because old Russ is a man who abandons reality, himself to reality. I'm too spontaneous. You know I love spontaneity. It's one yes. of my great gifts. No, I can see why you do take them. Because sometimes I think, I'm just here in America now. Bye. Like, and like, Hold on a minute. You've got a wife and a family. Yeah. You're not a snake oil salesman. <clears throat> it's very grounding. You're not like, a whaler in Nantucket. Well, I'm like that as well. I go on holiday and I forget my old life. You, you forgot it when you were in Croatia, didn't you? Yeah, I come back to my house and think, what's all this What's stuff? all this to I don't need all this. So adaptable. This carpet smells funny. Yeah. I'm not staying here. It smells of other people's houses. Oh, it smells of when you go around someone else's house for dinner when you're a kid and I don't want their dinner. I don't like Finder's crispy pancakes. I don't like... It's frozen in the middle. It's frozen in the middle. 
My dad's on nights. My dad's on nights. I once went around to someone's house for dinner and they had a bottle of lilt on the table, Ooh. right? We used to have weak orange squash. <laughs> I thought, I, I honestly, I, I nearly stormed out lilt? of the house. <laughs> I couldn't believe the, you the way they were living. Such luxury. Such luxury. Came home and was like, they had lilt. That's not actually, it's not like having I don't think my parents champagne. were doing it for health reasons. They were just cost-cutting. Mm. Watery squash. <laughs> the merely mouth Morgans. Here's some insipid <laughs> drink. The merely mouth Morgan. We don't care what the neighbours think. The merely mouth Morgans. Squeeze it out of glad and call it drink. <laughs> That's the Morgans. Okay, and now to raise the cultural bar even higher, some Herman Melville, writer of uh, the old... Uh, Moby Dick, being read by one of the greats, it's old Russ. Here we go. The first boat we read of floated on an ocean. What's that first boat we ever read of? Bear that in mind, guys. Read of? Yeah. The first boat we read of floated on an ocean that with Portuguese vengeance had whelmed a whole world without leaving so much as a widow. That same ocean rolls now. That same ocean destroyed the wrecked ships of last year. Yea, foolish mortals, Noah's flood is not yet subsided. Two-thirds of the fair world it yet covers. Ooh, the flood's still going on, says Melville. Look at history in that context. The first boat being Noah's Ark, of course, the first that we read of. He's talking about scripture. What Melville does brilliantly is he jumps between metaphor and literacism, or liter... I don't know. You know, he jumps about all over the gaff. He's Literalism. Yeah, all right. Wherein differ the sea and the land, that a miracle upon one is not a miracle upon the other. Preternatural terrors rested upon the Hebrews when under the feet of Korah and his company the live ground opened and swallowed them up forever. Yet not a modern sun ever sets, but in precisely the same manner the live sea swallows up ships and crews. But not only is the sea such a foe to man who is an alien to it, but it's also a fiend to its own offspring, worse than the Persian host who murders his own guest, sparing not the creatures which itself hath spawned, like a savage tigress that tossing in the jungle overlays her own cubs, so the sea dashes even the mightiest whales against the rocks and leaves them there side by side with the split wrecks of ships. No mercy, no power, but its own controls it. Panting and snorting like a mad battle steed that has lost its rider, the masterless ocean overruns the globe. Now he's setting up very powerfully we can we can edit that down a bit (laughs) (laughs) this is live this is live russell brand actually is pre-recorded but we've got to leave this in we've got to learn some stuff here check this out check this out he get he's building a very deep idea melville check this bit consider the subtleness of the sea how its most dreaded creatures glide under water unapparent for the most part and treacherously hidden beneath the loveliest tints of azure consider also the devilish brilliance and beauty of many of its most remorseless tribes as the dainty embellished shape of many species of sharks consider once more the universal cannibalism of the sea all whose creatures prey upon each other carrying on eternal war since the world began right so he's telling us the terror the terror the horror of the sea consider all this and then turn to this green gentle and most docile earth consider them both the sea and the land and do you not find a strange analogy to something in yourself for as this appalling ocean surrounds the verdant land so in the soul of man there lies one insular Tahiti full of peace and joy but encompassed by all the horrors of the half known life God keep thee push not off from that isle thou canst never return 
Don't go mad, says Melville. Stay on the island. We are surrounded by the ocean of our own being, which can't be understood. The geometric oceans of wonder reach out in all directions. Glory unto him! Glory unto him! Here's the adverts. Russell Brand. This is Radio X. Yeah, boy! If you're listening to Russell Brand on Radio X, you're having a lovely time. You're listening to me talking about Herman Melville. Have you bought Recovery yet? If not, get it on audiobook or indeed written form or on Kindle. Or come check me on the 31st or the 1st of uh, November at the Hammersmith Apollo in London, in all my glory, ranting, Look, doing blessings. You've gone mad. Have I? What's the ma- yes. what type? What manner of madness? Do you think it's because I've been well, in America? A forty-minute yeah. excerpt from a book that you read. <laughs> It was about three minutes, Matt, and this is one of the great classics of literature. And the reason I read it is because some say Melville and, and Moby Dick, in fact, were the first postmodern novel as he was flitting between, like, uh, literal stories of wailing, like, which he explains beautifully, and it feels sort of terrible and awful, but the sea as the perfect metaphor for consciousness. Also, the way he talks about spiritual and religious life is unbelievably complex. Duality of consciousness. Like, so the land is like your normal life. Yeah. And the sea is the dark reality underneath. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly what we're saying here, that we have an insular Tahiti of your own identity. This is me. Hi, I'm Russell. I don't like that. You stood my toes. And then but beneath it, you are held by limitless consciousness. And perhaps, Matthew, when you're saying, you know, talking about conspiracy theories and why we have them, one reason I've thought that might be is because each of us knows that we are bobbing about like a little thimble on an ocean of your own anatomy. You're not controlling your respiratory system. You're not controlling your own organs. So there is some powerful force that's controlling everything that you don't have direct access to. And I think it's a sort of a troubling notion for people. So when something fits that template, like, oh, there's these people that are controlling everything, then I think it's appealing. My personal belief is if you want to know who controls the world, look at who's got the most money and then go, yeah, it's probably them. (laughs) Or who the system works for. And like, oh, right, this system seems to be working well for these people. Mm. And then, like, it's probably them. But I don't, you know, the conspiratorial stuff, I'm sure there are conspiracies that are true. Yeah. And you wouldn't know if they were. Otherwise, there'd be no... I've said this since I was a little girl growing up in Sidcup. There'd be no such thing as top secret. They wouldn't have, like, top... You know, some of it is, oh, no, the Russians mustn't know that. But a lot of it's, if people find out that's true, they're going to go mental. Yeah, but then when you get to, like, the Earth's flat instead of a globe, Mm. then that's... I mean, you couldn't even cover that up. It'd be a hard one to cover up, and I'd like to know the advantages of it. So we're going to actually find that out by talking to a man now called Mark Sargent. Mark published The Sky's the Limit, a book on flat earth clues in March 2016. He's also launched a flat earth clues app and has his own YouTube channel under his own name with 9 million views. He grew up on South Whidbey Island, Washington. Mark started his career playing computer games professionally in Colorado, which I've been to, and it's nice. You've been there, haven't you? Yeah, wasn't that where you can't breathe very well? You can breathe well there, can't you? It's a very elevated position in the oxygen. Is it state. elevated, mate? Or is it flat as a pancake? Mark, you're on the line. How's it going, Mark? Could you hear us? We're, we don't understand flat earth theory. <laughs> I can hear you, and thank you very much for having me. Oh, God, you've got a lovely voice. That's very beguiling. <laughs> well, I, have, I actually have my own little radio show that covers flat earth. So tell us about Flat Earth, because we actually don't understand yet, and we're pretty open-minded, and Matt in particular is very susceptible to basically anything you want him to believe in. So what is the, what's the advantage of the Flat Earth theory? You know, even if it were true, like, what's the, like, why would sure. people deceive us into believing that the world was spherical? How, does that, uh, how is that advantageous? Okay. Okay. 
fact, let me let me give you a quick sixty second breakdown because your listeners are probably going, "Holy smokes, what? How is this even possible?" Yeah. The the short version is, and you'll appreciate this, Russell, is that all the world's a stage, and you, me, and everyone you know is on it, and that the United States and the Soviet Union figured it out in 1960 when they were looking for the borders, and they've been trying to keep it a secret ever since. But as far as why, why you would do it, because, yeah, every probably one in every ten emails I get is why. Why would you cover this thing up? What's mm. the advantage of it? And the, there's, three, there's three prongs to it. One is academic. So, like, let's say tomorrow the United Nations all of a sudden decides, like, oh, yeah, by the way, you're living in a giant snow globe on somebody's desk, because that's really the type of dimensions we're talking about here. Uh, first off, academically, th- here's the reasons why you would keep this a secret, why you wouldn't tell anybody. Um, first one is academically. Uh, tomorrow morning, uh, every astronomy and astrophysics department in every university ever would shut their doors automatically. And the remaining physical sciences, take your pick, uh, geology, hydrology, biology, anything with an ology next to it, they would have to retool and rebuild from the ground up. That's academics right away. Second would be monetarily, economics. The uh, world stock markets would have to shut down for at least a month. Why? Sorry, I mean, ahead. I understood that first bit that it it, it sort of it undermines a previously held academic opinion, which itself though sure. was founded on the assumption that the, you know we began with the world is flat, it looks flat. Then you know Copernicus, oh. Galileo, Endeavour, space missions, unless all of that stuff's you know I guess your idea is that none of that stuff is real or true. But then you know what was the yeah. advantage in? in abandoning the initial position of the Earth is flat. It's not like, hold on a minute, let's tell everyone the right. Earth's gr- like round. We'll earn a few quid out of that. Then we'll go back to saying it's flat. You know what I mean? Like, there's no... I can't see a definitive. It's not like going, you know, for example, other conspiracy theories like, you know, oh, JFK was murdered by the government. And that's a way of manipulating power or, you know, even more contemporaneous th- theories around you know, sort of terrorism. Yeah. For example, you sort of think, oh, it's the manipulation of power and the management of populations. This particular right. theory seems like sort of almost gl- gleefully atavistic. And I, I can't see the advantage of it. The... Think about like the money way. bit. You yeah. said the money bit. Who makes money? You don't go, like, oh, yeah, oh, the yeah, world's the money, flat, the money shut bit. the stock exchange. You'll, you'll appreciate the, the third you part more. You keep saying I'll appreciate part. it, but I won't. Yeah, I know, no, I know, I know you will. I know you will because I was listening uh, as, I was, as I was being muted what you guys were talking about, which is economically, uh, if everybody's in the same boat, that, well, you know how everything can, uh, so many different little things can make the stock market jittery. You know, it doesn't take much. I mean, honestly, if President Trump caught a cold tomorrow and they thought it was pneumonia, the market would like start twitching. Imagine if all of a sudden you said, oh, yeah, by the world, by the way, the world is, is not a globe like we've been teaching for the last 400 something years. It's, it's actually, you know, a, a snow globe. You know, it's a, it's a covered enclosed structure. The markets would be, would go into absolute turmoil because they wouldn't know what to make of why, it. Cause what, it why? What because implicit do? in that is our entire reality is somehow constructed. That it's not an organic sort of planetary astronomical body, but some sort of construct it, like on that film, it, The Truman Show. Is that why? Exactly. Oh, yeah. The Truman Show is exactly what we're talking about here. You know, the Truman Show. If Jim you Carrey, he's ahead of the answer. curve, if you'll excuse the pun, ahead of the flat thing that's uh, definitely like not that. curved. Yes. He, I mean, if that structure was only 20 miles wide, how, how far out could you build this thing before you could hide an entire civilization in it? You know, it was, in Truman, it was easy. In fact, the Truman Show, the only reason it was even a movie is because of the production value failures, you know, a spotlight falling down and the elevator screwing up and where he finally discovered it. But oh, you like that structure film. that was... 
I really do like it. It was, it was it's perfect in the, in this capacity because it gave you an example of how easy it is to do, along with um, M Night Shyamalan's The Village, where he talked, where he said, "Look, children believe anything you tell them. So if you put them in a wildlife reserve and build a town and make it look like the 1800s, and you tell them that." Why wouldn't they believe that? I mean, this I'm and down with. After... I'm down with that kind of stuff. I'm down that our our, our perception of reality right. is built upon narratives. Right. Uh, but the thing right. I'm still struggling with is the advantage of it. The advantage of okay, like, okay, okay. is it let's, the imp- let's, oh, let's, don't let them find out that this is like what you're saying is a constructed reality under a dome where our extraterrestrial overlords experiment on our reality, introduce different genes that there's a superior consciousness that we're interacting with, and only a small percentage of the population know about it because I. I think that could still be true, even if the world yeah. was a globe. You know, that doesn't that doesn't oh, sure. necessarily get in the way of that idea. You know, if there is an advanced civilization capable of constructing such a beautiful, excuse me, illusion, then I did a little blow off. Then, then that, then that, they'd be able to conduct that just as easily on a sphere. And like, what does this mean about our studies of sort of like sub quanta, uh, sub particular uh, matter? You know, because that too has certain geomet- geometric features that fit in with its. M- um, macro corollary, i.e., that the sphere okay. is the fundamental building block of the physical plane. Oh yeah, you're and and you're absolutely right. The the quantum physics and everything about astrophysics would be turned upside down. Let, let's cut to the chase here. If this was let's take economic out of it because people can debate that all they want, but I absolutely know you would have to shut down the world markets. The 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 biggest part would be the spiritual part, which is if we are built. The narrative changes, meaning we are created. And now I'm not saying necessarily, you know, is it intelligent design? Yeah, probably. Is it the handprint of God on the outside of this thing? Well, that would uh, make a lot of people very, very nervous. Uh, if you didn't want to, if you if you want to be the ultimate power, you have to be the ultimate power. You mm-hmm. can't have something outside. You know, the, the governments and the powers that be have a, a firm grasp on things because there's no one bigger than them. Not, okay. not, not definitely. So, as a paradigm, it's you know, the same as, as if the, if we discovered extraterrestrials, or you know, if in fact ancient religious ideologies were literally true. That, like, by by deferring to some so. sort of supreme power, our own reality is exactly. undermined. Now, uh, if you think my questions were top notch, get ready for something that's <laughs> going to shrivel you up into a pippin. Because coming right out of left field is Britain's own favourite little sweetie pie, Matt Morgan. <laughs> Hello, Mark. Okay. How do you explain? Oh, yeah. How do you explain then, if the if the world's flat, flight paths? Because if you look at a flight tracker, you can see flights going every way around the world, and they go out of one side Lord. of the little map and they appear immediately on the other side because they've gone round the globe. How do you explain that? Because people that have been, people, you know, there's there's public on those flights and they've gone from Australia round to you know the west coast of America. Oh. Sure, they, ha- they have actually, but at the same time, there's a lot of things interesting, especially in the Southern Hemisphere flights. First off, GPS, the you know the global positioning system, which was designed by the United States Department of Defense back in the 90s, you know, it's a military application, supposedly blanket coverage with 32 something satellites all over there. There is huge, massive dead spots. So when you're following these planes down there in the Southern Hemisphere, you're going to love this. 
Watch them as they go offshore, maybe 150, 200 miles. Once they get to a certain point, now that graphic may still be there, but the uh, latitude and longitude for those planes immediately drops into approx approximated or estimated mode, and it stays in that mode, which basically means we have no idea where that plane is, but the graphic's there, so we're just going to keep it going, and the, or it'll blink off entirely. And then it will magically appear within ground radar range at its location. So that's, that's, an that's the first thing about this. It is an answer. Go ahead. But I, I liked that, Mark. Right. I, I, I liked that as it, an answer. And what I suppose, look, what I'm getting is, I told, I was telling Matt earlier on that uh, last night while I was doing one of my brilliant new dreams I'm working on, I stirred and awoke and there was this sort of geometric subset in my consciousness immediately on awakening where I thought the uh, indigenous language of the mind is geometry and all subsequent subsequent forms of semaphore are applications that the culture endows us with but there is a literal and essential truth now if there is some literal essential truth of which all material reality is some projection the laws of physics would occasionally mutate which is like you know i'm not the first person to say that i believe old einstein said something similar i.e uh, time is relative or you know um, like sure. uh, or Planck and uh, heisenberg talk about the uh, uh, mutability of physical law. So, like, I, I like your theory in one sense that it in, in, invites us to investigate the, the nature of our reality. I think keep saying snow globes going to be a problem, mate, because yeah. snow globes are funny little things, aren't they? A snow globe, you get it okay, in an okay. airport. Well, I, I, snow globe, I, I, right, you know what I mean? It's I, not a serious thing. A snow globe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to. I Here's have another to use one. Some of those. Okay, uh, sports stadium. That? All right, it's a bit better, I suppose. No, actually, I prefer Snow Globe. Snow Globe! Now, should we spend the rest of the interview being a bit silly just to change the vibe? No, no, I think I think you've done well there, mate, but I don't know. So say, right, say you get it out there and everyone goes, bloody hell, this is an artificial reality. We're in some sort of ecosystem like uh, that bloody place down Cornwall. What's that called? Do you know that place down Cornwall? Eden Project, yes. Um, we're in some ecological system where everything's being controlled. Or like Elon Musk says, this is a sort of a virtual reality. And that's, you know, that means that the laws of physics are irrelevant, whether it's spherical or flat or whatever its dimensions. It's being bloody conjured up in our own consciousness, which I think is, you know, a pretty cool idea in itself. Um, you know, what, what's the advantage, mate? If you get it out there, what happens? And, you know, other than that stock market crash you keep going on about, once we know it's a well, snow well, globe, again, what's day two? <laughs> yeah, and I try not to. I try to do a glass half full if, if I can, because you know, I, I, yeah, you could go the doom and gloom path if you wanted. You know, where the stock markets potentially crash, and you know, there's pitch. I mean, that'll happen anyway, one way or another, wouldn't it? Some sort of uh, meteorological yeah, of event, I, you know, some other crisis. I mean, every we're all doomed. That's that's a fact on an individual why level. Uh, why doesn't the water fall off? No, oh, good, because the Antarctica isn't the, just the boundary of this place. When every other continent looks pretty much the same. In fact, you want to know what it looks like from the top down, you're really looking at the U.N. flag. So if it's like a dinner plate, the U.N. flag stamped on top of it, the North Pole's at the center of it. But when you get to the outer edge, the, what you're looking at is basically Antarctica. So the Antarctic coastline, Antarctic as a continent, is, is just amazing because it's about 200, no, we're talking, not, not talking Games of Thrones, but it's 200 to 300 foot wall of ice straight up at the edge. 
And then once you get to the top of it, it starts sloping up really fast to about 14,000 feet. And most of the continent is above 14,000 feet. Circles all around. So the water's not going anywhere. You're what's underneath? A... What's underneath? If we dig down, what's ah. underneath? A network of tunnels, that, a network that... of funnels, a funny little goblin guy. What's underneath? What's underneath? Tell us what's underneath, Mark Sargent. What's underneath? Not what's underneath you, not your undercarriage. I mean, what's underneath this dirty little disc we call snow globe? Did you just write that just now, or did you have that before? That just came out That's of my brain. Fun. I've been working on that for many years. <laughs> Me and her. <laughs> working Waiting progress. to meet someone called Mark Sargent. <laughs> ah, luckily. Really, really great. Oh, thank you, darling. Now, go on. Uh, what is underneath? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is underneath? That's a fantastic question, because when you do a cross-section, you open up any school textbook, cross and you section. look at the core of the earth, those <laughs> wonderful bands, you know, yellow and white, right? And I go, wow, those are really great. Cross section. How? Oh. What happens? Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Cross section. There could be, couldn't there? Is it not feasible, Mark, that within there would yes. be a network very much like a honeycomb, and within each cell a fluid, and within each fluid a larvae, each one more symmetrical than the last majesty. Ah, many were the long winter nights where your late father and I would scamper giddy schoolgirls into the courtyard, our dressing gowns flailing behind us. Heroic in their way, the moonlight glinting on our bare skin. We would spot one of the lowly creatures of the courtyard, a tomcat, or perhaps a whippet hound, then gripping it by its thin hips, twanging the harp strings of its tendons. We would flip it onto its back, and ignoring its scrambling, would prize apart its thighs. Then your late father, Majesty, would take from his inside pocket a vanity kit, there within was an emery board. He would take it till it was completely flat, revealing the aforementioned cross-section, within which would be a honeycomb, and within each shell of the honeycomb is a larvae, and the circle of life begins again. That's impressive. <laughs> oh, that Thanks, Mark. Weird. Thanks, Mark. Now, that I have been working on. All right, but you did not derail me, because I, I had the answer in my head the entire time. <laughs> You're lovely. You held on to it like a coin in your pocket. I did. There's no way. You were, I was listening to the whole thing. I'm going, there's no way you're going to turn, unless you actually brought me into that little thing at the end. And I was like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> the, the, deepest hole ever drilled is, is, the deepest hole ever drilled is eight miles. No, the cross-sections of the earth, everything you sit, uh, read in school books is meaningless. Uh, the mm. deepest hole ever drilled, but one was by the Russians and one was by the Germans. There's nothing, you know, once it gets down to eight miles, there, you know, we, the drill bits fail. So ask mainstream science what's below us, below eight miles. There, everything you see in the books is a complete fabrication. Mark, I'll tell you what, mate, there's no reason, like... To be honest, my um, belief that the world is a globe is not built on any personal experience. It's only built on what I've been taught. And at various times, human beings like us have been taught that different races are inferior, different genders are inferior, that it's okay for one group of people to subjugate another. So the belief of hum beliefs of human beings is fraught with flaws, paradox and ignorance. So uh, I certainly wouldn't ridicule your, ridicule your beliefs. I personally don't agree with it, but I do really like it. And I like your personal spirit of investigation. And it's... It's something I'm going to be looking out for now, particularly that bit in response to Matt's question. We do have to go for some adverts now because this is a mainstream media network held together, as you know, by capitalism, consumerism and commerce. And uh, we all play our part in that. Thanks for coming on, mate. Was, you've been a great guest.
Thank you. It was a real pleasure, guys. You're Thanks, lovely. Mark. You've got a lovely voice. I'd listen to you say anything. All right. Take it take <laughs> it easy. Take it easy, Mark Sargent. See you later, mate. All right. Well, you really showed me up there, didn't you, mate? <laughs> yeah, I showed you up. Yeah, you did. By a protracted speech, as Winston Churchill. <laughs> <laughs> Poor man. <laughs> clinging, so what? Clinging, People... I mean, he did well to not go loopy. Because mm. it was quite a particularly long. He must have been thinking, rendering. this is long and weird, but... I've got my little answer here. And maybe if you're an American, you might think that's just what English people do. (laughs) We've got an American here, live in the studio. We're using him to just see what he does. I've been in America lately. Everything's going okay. Except there's a fellow that's in charge there. Excuse me. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's called... uh, Well, I can't remember his name. We've got an advert now. We're going to be talking about America coming up after these messages. Concentrate your hardest and see if there's any clues about snow globes. Snow globe! Dear Britain, we know you can't wait to take off again to the people and places you love, to feel the sun on your face and the sand down your shorts, or just read and read and read until you feel happy and glorious once more. Take off to Europe from £39 each way. British Airways, made by Britain. T's and C's apply. Limited availability. Price based on a return fare departing London Heathrow in September. See ba.com slash late for details. Russell Brand Radio X. That was some adverts. Matt, what have you got to say for yourself, mate, about uh, that Mark. whole about, well, about Mark Sargent, who I like. I, I think like he's got him. a nice voice. I like him, but I honestly, a nice theory. As I get older, I start to get really nervous talking to people like that because Why? because I just think that that there's so much proof that dis, well, there's so much stuff that disproves what he's saying. Right, that he must really have to maintain that, and it worries me that there's people with mad beliefs. Mm. Right, and no offence to him, I liked him, but that's yeah. a mad belief in my book, right? Yeah, yeah. And they're passionate about it, they can talk about it. They're, whatever you say, you, c- you can't really knock him off course, he's got a sort yeah. of answer. Well, that Neil deGrasse Tyson, who he's previously been in a... Or, no, no, it was the rapper B.O.B. had been in a conflict with. That Neil deGrasse Tyson, who... There's things that I disagree with him on, for what it's worth, but, like, he uh, he says... One of his debate techniques is, is there anything I could say or show you that would uh, persuade you that your perspective is not correct? And if the person says no, he's like, Pfft. and I think that what we were encountering there is that if you have a determination to believe in an alternative narrative, and, and I, what's wrong with it? Because a lot of very important things, I mean, there was a point, of course, where Copernicus and Galileo were precisely in that position. They're going, no, yeah, seriously, yeah. it is round. But like, it is built on empiricism, isn't it? And whilst I am a bit like, ooh, well, spiritual, everything's one, all of that, I like the fact that occasionally there are glimmers of it being supported by empirical evidence. But Mark Sargent would say, no, 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 it is. And he did give an answer to your aeroplane question, but I, I didn't like that answer. It was too long. And that's yeah. why I had to have some, some cereal to relax. But like, there's pilots who fly, for, you know, both ways around the globe constantly all the time. Yeah. And there's no bit where they went, oh, I just blacked out for, you know. I mean, imagine how many yeah. miles underneath that would be. Yeah. Like, and, and they'd go, I clattered into this snow globe or my bit. That was bloody yeah, awkward. It's nonsense. And then this yeah, mad it becomes a new orthodoxy. If your new orthodox position is, I mean, I'm all, I'm nearly there. I'm almost at. I don't trust anybody. Just on a personal level and on a sort of a social political level, I am sort of sceptical. But but the reason, but what my scepticism comes from, and if you watch the truths or listen to Under the Skin, you'll know this. It comes from how is this story serving the powerful? 
If I can't yeah, yeah. answer that question clearly, then I don't think it's relevant. It's like, oh my God, they're obviously saying that because now someone like David Icke would say that a continual process of catastrophe and disaster maintains a level of sort of fear in society. But I think you could do that just by making people have bloody jobs they don't like and go to all the time. You know, I don't think we have to reference uh, extreme and unsettling theories in order to point out that there think, is corruption. The, the and initial feeling of like, hmm, this isn't right, this is weighted against us, or that's not the full story is yeah. right. And I think, you know, like there are Me conspiracies too, and cover-ups and stuff. But when you start, have, I mean, he must have to pedal so hard with yeah. his theory to keep facts away from it. It's Perhaps, mental. and in a way, is it not possible to conceive of a future version of our species that would go, oh, back in 2017, people would just, yeah, some people just were homeless and lived on the street and people went, oh, I don't matter. <laughs> you know, like people just accepted it and mm-hmm. some people just had no access to healthcare and some people were abused and subjugated and people didn't go, you know, we didn't en masse go, hold on a second, we're all one, I can't rest easily in my bed while I know there's a single homeless person. You know what I mean? We have adapted to cruelty we have adapted to neglect so for in a way i can see how you would adapt to more and more forms of you know exploitation or cruelty mm. particularly if you amplify the individual and personal fear yeah, but that that's why that freaks me out because he's wasting his energy doing that yeah when, you when there are real set up a homeless shelter yeah 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 like yeah set up a homeless shelter help feed people with stuff that's actually happening i mean yeah i agree with you but some people are in very are fascinated by the nature of reality and I, I can identify because i am i am but like yeah. that particular theory yeah for me it's like well, maybe, I don't know maybe it's easier to prove anything. that the world is flat than to cure homelessness mm, yeah, yeah possibly yeah. because one of them just means that the the real perspective shift, I think, that's important is can you look at the world as not determined by your individual identity and your individual needs? That's the challenge. That's the point of spirituality, to change your perspective from, well, I'm all right. I've got to look after my baby and my aunt. I want to earn more money for me. It would be good if I was a bit more famous. All that chat show went, well, that's just a random example, rather than why don't you dedicate your whole life but then when you to serving others? Because your individualism is an illusion, the same way flat earth, round earth, your consciousness is participating with reality you're listening to these words now it's vibrating in your mind you're reforming it so the separation between me and you is a decision it's an editorial choice to say that's that's the relationship between you and me subject object rather than oneness and what you're saying about what, <clears throat> how does this serve the person in power right yeah. no this is no, no i'm not talking badly about mark Sargent, right <laughs> but he's got a podcast from it I bet he goes on dates right. with women. He's like, "Look at these idiots! They don't think they live on a ball." <laughs> it's like he's got fans, probably. Do you know what I mean? Like he's probably got himself right. quite a lot of status. That's, I think that's a good point. And so he's maybe a... he might deep down probably think this is all hogwash. Yeah, like imagine he finds out. That's a, I like that idea. Like someone finding out that their theory is wrong, but having to maintain it because their identity is to some degree built upon it. Now, one thing that we can definitely agree is vitally important is getting. More more subscribers to our podcast, getting more listeners to our radio show, developing more power so we can finally afford our 
private island. Here's just a few of the emails come from you, our beloved listeners. James O'Neill, our brother in Belfast, he's just an 18-year-old lad, goes, Hi, Russ, Matt and G. I've achieved 50 subscribers to the podcast. It took blood, sweat and tears to achieve. Interesting choice of language, given that's one of the great tropes of uh, the Reverend Ian Paisley there. Uh, Luckily, none of them mine. And I have photographic evidence for each subscriber. Where is it? Send us it, James. How do we know? These were obtained through various methods, perhaps best not to indulge. Oh, James. All I ask is Russ, Matt and G, uphold the promise to let me stand behind a glass panel upon the recording of the show. I salivate at the thought. I also have a hankering need to ask advice about radio careers and how to survive in this crazy ball of dirt we call globe. Now, sadly, you've referred to the globe as both a ball and a globe. (laughs) And we all know it's flat as a pancake. So you won't be going behind any spherical glass panels. You've seen this no, thing can about come. Hamish he can come behind a glass panel, can he? Yeah, I have seen that. Uh, oh. we have, we, uh, I have seen that. Do you want to read that email, Matthew? Can James come and stand behind a glass panel, Neil? You can stand behind a glass <laughs> panel, if Neil. If the, huh? if the proof is there, then he can. Where's your proof? You provide proof, mate. How's he going to hear us? He's just behind us. He's just going to be behind a glass panel, Matt. I don't know how many times I have to explain you. Sort of human fish tank. Yeah, it's a human fish tank. Oh, that's better. Can he just be in a pair of swimming? Yes, he should be in trunks and water wings. Like maybe a little rubber ring. Snorkel. Snorkel. Oh, a little ducky sort of thing around his waist. (laughs) Ducky, ducky! We'll have you behind a glass panel, mate. And you're going to have a little ducky, ducky around your waist. And I want you to bring some other people of different genders. No, it's not going to What? What's wrong? It's only the glass. Snakes have been made in the past. Yeah, not for a long time, though. Not since married, man. Oh, no, it never took a long time. (laughs) I'm just going to be out for this commercial break. Go on, what emails Um, did you want to read, mate? There's a radio podcast thing. Called Hamish and Andy, which you've been a guest on. I love Hamish and Andy. They're, uh, I think it's the one. They of the best did an island thing. You've yeah, of nicked it off them. Well, I didn't consciously nick it. I the just, People's uh, Island. They bought an them. island off Australia for their it? radio show, and it sounds like they lost interest in it, and it's still there. Hold on a minute. Read the proper email. You don't just do a pre <laughs> That's not how we do operate on the show. Read the whole email properly. Now you right, start with who to wrote do it. Your Herman Melville voice. <laughs> <clears throat> yes, do a Melville voice. I'm gonna. It's so long. Just read bits. What you may not know... All right. Hi, Russ, Matt and G. I'll start Says off by Chris saying... Chris Best. I, this is well, from Chris Best. Well, don't shout over me when I finally do it. <laughs> Plank- Chris <laughs> Best. I say his name. Give it context. Where's your context? Who am I meant to be imagining? It could be a little girl, a little boy, a bloke on a canoe. Who is it? What you may not know, guys, is that a couple of years back, Hamish and Andy bought an island much like you guys are trying to do at the moment. They even called it the People's Island, evoking ideas of the utopia you are trying to build. It's just off the coast of Australia, so it will be a lot warmer than Scotland for you all. Mm. They bought it a couple of years ago, but haven't been back to it since they sent a first fleet. Maybe Ooh, get them on the show and see if you can cut a deal. We should, because Hamish and Andy are really good guests. When Are they ever awake when we're awake? They're well funny. They're well funny. Let's get them on and ask about that. We want their bloody island. So far away. Give us your island. In fact, actually, I mean, I hope this doesn't sound insensitive, but as don't we own Australia anyway, kind of? Yeah. I've been there, and our Queen's all over their money. Matt, you've never mentioned, have you been to Australia? Oh, yes. <laughs> a quiet, uneventful trip? Yep. Twice I went, I think. Didn't you get a bit drowny, drowny in the sea? Nearly drowned twice. Why? Who drowns twice? You're not even a no, sailor. No, not on the same day. No, I think I'll give it another shot. Oh, it's happening again. <laughs> it's right near the edge of the world, actually. You're very lucky not to topple right off. Lucky not to go right off the edge into space. I know, you could be swimming about in the stars. Like Great a... creator grabbing me. Get back in the snow globe. <laughs> hey, yo. Oh, we got a little intruder into the great unknown. <laughs> beep, beep. In you Don't go. tell any of us. <laughs> 
It would be just like you not to tell us if you did swim off the edge of the snow I, I take orders from authority well. I would go, your secret's safe with me, sir. <laughs> you would, wouldn't you? Yeah. Right. During this little advert, I'm going to be giving Matt a proper debriefing to see if he has swum off the edge of the snow globe, if he has met the conscious forces that create reality, and if so, what did they say? Before that, though... <laughs> this is Radio X. Russell Brand. Welcome back from those ads. What, what traits of a Jewish man are you claiming to have? That was Noel Gallagher's right. new song. He's trying his hardest, and I think we should get it's behind him. song, that, Holy yeah, Mountain. Fantastic. I love it. Is it good? Mm. Yes. Because uh, whenever I hear Noel Gallagher's song coming up next, I do tend to shut down emotionally, spiritually, and put my fingers in my ears for about three, three and a half it's, minutes. It's, it's something new. Good, I'm glad. I love Noel, as you know. I've always loved him. Now, what about uh, me and you and these things we were talking about? Oh, yeah, I'm. As everyone will have seen that DNA test that we've done, which proved once and for all that I'm better than everyone else because I'm 4% the type of Jewish that's the best type. Ashkenazi Jewish. And I'm 1% the type of Native, Native American. American that's the best type. I, I did wonder if we'd muddled them up. Because 11% Italian. Yeah. 8%. Th- I'm 8% Italian. That's you, clearly. Look at you. Hey, shut up in your face. What do you want from me, baby? You're allowed yeah. to do that, am and I? I've got the traits of a Jewish person. What I'm like? Man. I'm a warrior, right? Yeah. I'm a comedy writer. That's or... my DNA. <laughs> well, That's... you don't know that. They might have muddled them up. No way. I went on the website and we're related, according to the website, because Neil's put the information in wrong. Neil! We're in there as husband and wife or something. <laughs> We've been too close over the years, haven't we? Mistakes yeah. have been made. Little cuddles have but happened. It's good. The website tells you who your like closest matches are. Who are they? Well, not yours aren't very good. Go on. Trailer trash. <laughs> <laughs> Who's yours? Nice people. No way! Yours ain't the nice well, people. Letters after the name. Look, hang on. Here's something here. What is come from? Right, we are getting that bloody private. Well, firstly, here's, let's keep some items rocking and rolling. We're going to have Hamish and Andy on this show, and we are going to usurp their private island. Now, they are good, Hamish and Andy. I've got to say that I've yeah. been watching this guy called Ed Stafford, right? Mm. He's like Bear Grylls, Ray Mears, but they don't compare to him. Why? What's better about a non, Stafford? A non-sexual crush on this guy. What, He's a what survivor. does that mean, a non-sexual well, crush? Well, it means I don't it's not, I want to have sex with him. I just what wanna, do you want? Kiss him. <laughs> you want to kiss him? Put my arm around him. Go, come on, mate. Like really? That. You want and to palate him? And go on an island and survive with him. What is, he what does is, these shows, right? Where he's dropped off, mostly naked, right? Sometimes he wears totally shorts. Naked, and he's always your got, first thing you said was, I don't fancy him in a sexual way. The second thing you said was, he's almost naked. All right? So yeah. I think you do fancy him. No, and I, I think he's in a sexual way. Now, what does he do he's once he's dropped off in his pants? He well, sometimes he goes. I, I decided to wear shorts this time to not to offend the locals. Or like sometimes he'll go. I'm wearing shorts because uh, I just need to on this one. <laughs> so sometimes he hasn't. He isn't naked, right? Oh, he's there he is. But these shows he does right. Marooned with Ed Stafford, right? Mm. He just he's got no knife. He's got no shoes. He's got nothing. And he's a brilliant survivalist. He just Where's goes. Where's he surviving, there. mate? What sort of gaff? Every time it's different. So it could be like snowy places, islands, jungles. And he's just dropped deserts. off in his pants. And he survives. Yeah. And he's an ex-soldier. And he's it's amazing. Is he English but like us? What? Yep, yeah, he is. British Army, ex-British Army, what, right? What division of the army? Oh, you don't know about I divisions. do, I know all the different ones. Why, there's the trumpets, the top hats, the tiddlywinkles. <laughs> I know what it was, but listen, there's an episode, right, mm. where he goes, he was struggling to find something to cut with or whatever, right, and he was mm. going, 
So there's this thing I do because he's there on his own, so he has to use lots of like he meditates and stuff. Brilliant. But he he used this method. He goes, oh, it's an old method, but it's like I just want to think of what I really need, and then just start walking, and it and hopefully like the place will give it to me, and it did, right? But I thought it was interesting because he's like an ex-soldier survival person, but he uses sort of spiritual things, and it and he said that this does work, and he used it. You'd like it, honestly. You should I love it. him already. Just should, hearing but that. I want him to come on as a guest. But I want you to watch his show, so you know what. He's, I don't want you to just blag it. <laughs> right. Hold on. Let me. I'm going to take this down in my notes. Watch Ed Stafford's show. Have him on as guest. Not even writing. Don't <laughs> blag it. And then talk <laughs> all over right? it. And go. Oh, is it true that you can do that as a piece of string? <laughs> No, you've got to watch his shows and then come up with intelligent questions for him. No questions are to be about he, string. He can survive anything, but not one of your interviews. No <laughs> string question. Kind respect. Don't do that majesty thing to him, because he won't like it. <laughs> Don't do the majesty thing. All right, I think I've got this one under control. Top topics for Ed Stafford. String and its uses. <laughs> and a thorough and brilliant opera where I play Winston Churchill. How about it, Matt? I think it's a brilliant I'm idea. I'm going to watch no, get, shows. Yeah, watch it. Honestly, you'd like it. More than it's... that, mate. I'm going to facilitate your crash. Why don't we I, honestly, meet him, not... survive with him. We go out in, in saying, little man. prickleberry suckleberries over but he's our an expert. Bags. I think he should give us a briefing and then we should try and do it on our own. This is a simple... Otherwise, we'll just go, oh, Ed, go and catch us a rabbit. <laughs> we need to... Ed Stafford and I, and you, we go out. <laughs> Where are we now? We're on the edges of town. I ain't even got my debit card, far less my solo or my switch card. How am I going to so get what I need by that? Solo? That was about 20 years ago. <laughs> Don't worry, I ladies. I got my BT phone card. <laughs> <laughs> I got solo. I got BT. I'm coming your way on this phone flat little massive, snow globe. They? You had to use phone cards in phone boxes. Yeah. And phone when, card oh, gutted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Used to have, oh, God, I've got a £10 phone card. Mate, i got a £10 phone card here. Put that on the table. There's my car keys. I'll see your hand and I'll raise your 20 and a phone card. I actually wrote a sketch once. There was a Mickey take of Bear Grylls and mm. he was like surviving in urban places. Right? I, like I, don't know, I can't remember how many got made and actually filmed, but there was things like, you can go to a car dealership and they've got imper- mint imperials on the thing, that sugar. That, <laughs> and like, there was like stupid stuff like that. Mm, it's a good idea. But actually, there, like, I was thinking like Ed Stafford knows how to survive in a lot of places, but if you dropped him in like, you know, somewhere like Glasgow... I mean, he'd be fine. But I like, imagine he had to survive for a month on the streets. Surviving Glasgow? He's, what, the, he's the first man to walk the Amazon, mate. He's going to be out. They've got, like, a right, perfectly you, good Novo you tail. You in Glasgow. You wouldn't last a night. I'm very popular in Glasgow. I'd survive Not no problem. Not with fame. You have to wear a rubber mask. Um, what, you are, can we have one show where you don't try to conceal my beauty beneath a rubber <laughs> mask? Just for once. I've been on Bill Maher. I'd love to I've been to on be, Stephen Colbert. Like, you know those old man masks you can get from a joke shop? Yep. You yep. in that. Oh, this would be a brilliant documentary. Go on. I put you on in that, mask. trying to survive on the streets of Glasgow for a month, and you're do not I allowed to go, my... hey, Russell Brandon here. You've got to do it properly. <laughs> That'd be brilliant. Do I That'd take... be the best show ever. You're funny, though, because when I do do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, one of the first things I say before each bout is I go, hi, guys, I am Russell Brand, so do go a bit careful, yeah? And then I do a really Don't. nice little face at them. Oh, that's, that's manipulative. That's right. That's one of my skills. Trying to soften the blows before they land. Yeah, and then they're all a bit like, oh, I better I am be careful. Brand, so, you know... Watch this, because this is me moneymaker. Without that, I don't see the revolution working at all well to you guys. Okay, nice gym jams, by the way, and they give us a cuddle. Not too hard, that pinched. Yeah. yeah. You live on the streets of Glasgow. 
All right, I will live on the streets of Glasgow. No, you won't. You remember before I had money. Yeah, you won't I was live fine. On the streets of Glasgow. Fair dodging, shoplifting, yes. bunking, no problem. I'm not allowed to break the law. Why? That's well, the first thing I'll do, day one. The law's getting smashed. You know what I mean, right, What would mate? you do if you had no food, right? No, nothing. Rob, well, go and rob. Not off people, shops. Not even little shops, big shops. Go and rob. Like I used to when I was a drug addict, what you do, it's easy this, you pop into a supermarket, you fill a basket with stuff, you have it over your arm, a bit like Red Riding Hood. All this is hypothetical. So I have my little shopping basket over my arm, and then I just eat stuff, and then at the last minute, pop the old shopping basket down, and off you go. <laughs> <laughs> free, as a, free as a bird. Problem is, sometimes the security will have been watching you do that, particularly for a suspicious-looking drug addict like I was, and then they'll go, what was all that business where you at them sandwiches? And I'll go, listen, man, I'm just trying to survive in the squeeze world. What would you do in those situations? Just run? No, not run. Persuade. Use the persuasion. How? Just go, come on, mate. I'm just trying to get by. You've got kids, ain't you, pal? It's going <laughs> to matter ever work? I was down in a ditch once. It wouldn't work these days. Things have toughened up. Here's an email here from a young lady or man called Kerry. All right, Russ, Matt and G, I'm a bit of an expert on witchcraft and early America, and I'm in the process of applying for a PhD on witchcraft in 17th century America. Attitudes towards sexuality and those who went native in America were insane. I've got a raft of anecdotes you'd find entertaining. Your half-formed theories are pretty accurate. Annoying that I studied so much. Hit me up, Kerry. As usual, my half-formed theories have been proven Say to be that better on all your books. than academia. His half-formed theories are pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, but this is a good book. Now, do you remember that time when someone went uh, that it said t- oh, social media? His book again. It's a lovely book, isn't it? Oh, you had a go at me for trying to get some free tea once. Don't drink Adagio oh, tea. I'd just like stuff, to say sticks of we. Do drink a dash of tea. For no reason, nice. but um, thank you to Elizabeth Harden. Yeah, thanks, Elizabeth. Kerry will be Arden. on the show later. That person, Kerry, he, will he be on the show later. Reading, Shut up, <laughs> I urge you, Elizabeth Harden. Now, Kerry <laughs> will be on the show later, okay? That person I just read an email from, because last oh. week we were talking about witchcraft, and a little boy called, what was his name, that little prat, Robinson? Robinson, who got a load of ladies nutted you should, off you know the best, they were witches. The, similar to that Robinson thing mm. is that amazing story about... The guy who wrote Wind in the Willows, son. Kenneth Graham's son. Mm. Have you ever told that publicly? Yes, I have. I think. The young, he was also, well, what happened there is the, Kenneth Graham, who wrote Wind in the Willows, he used to work in the Bank of England. And one day, a bloke came in who was also called Robinson. A man called Robinson mm. came in with two scrolls. This is back in the old days, of course. One scroll had a black ribbon around it. One scroll had a white ribbon around it. He walked into the bank, goes to Kenneth Graham, pick a scroll, any scroll. And Kenneth Graham goes, well, I'll have the black one. The bloke shot at him, unloaded his little pistol. Uh, luckily, Kenneth Graham didn't die. He left his job, though, because he said it's too weird this job where you have to do things like pick mm. a scroll and then get shot at it doesn't make sense i think i thought it was going to be much more to do with bank cards and overdrafts and that sort of thing i've been misled moved to the countryside writes wind in the willows and he has a little son him and his wife they write like little letters to each other his wife's called elspeth and they call each other oh hello my little ninny new i didn't like it i did a little piddle they write sort of silly notes like that to each other then they have a baby and they call it mouse and they're convinced it's a genius but it's an obnoxious little rat bag of a kid <laughs> and the character of toad from toad hall that sort of ego maniacal yeah. lunatic that doesn't think about others and just rages through life based on his own id 
Who's that? Uh, he's called Toad. I can't think of anyone even remotely similar to the guy. He's the inspiration for uh, the character. He was like a spoilt little milksop <laughs> of a kid, always being mean to his dad and that. And when his dad told him that story that, oh, this bloke called Robinson did this thing to daddy and that's why we live in the countryside now, the little boy insisted that he be known as Robinson <laughs> from that day forth. So funny. I learned the answer to Robinson. Oh, but that's the man that shot daddy. I won't answer you. <laughs> I'm Robinson. <laughs> And what so, happened to him? He died, though, didn't he? That little boy did eventually commit suicide, laying down on a... He tried to, I think I laying down on train tracks after he went to Oxford. His parents were convinced he was a brilliant little genius, but he was actually a little bit of an oddball. But he was the inspiration for the character of Toad. And the Willie in the Willows book came from letters that Kenneth Graham used to write to him, like, oh, let me tell you once again about this Mr. Toad character. And the little boy would go, I don't care for these letters, Daddy, not at all. And would you address them to Robinson? <laughs> Amazing. So, in fact, the name Robinson... Where did you find out about all this? Where... Because in... when I moved to the countryside, I got all interested in Kenneth Graham, and like those, apparently those books are trenched in all sorts of metaphor, like that the woods, you know, are like this the unconscious mind inhabited by these stoats and ferrets and these Weasley little characters, and like they're it's this sort of deep archetypes, and it's quite beautiful, elegant. But where writing. did you find the story of the? Is there a book about him? I think there's yeah, there's the original letters and there's biographies on Kenneth Graham, like he's a sort of oh, a peculiar cat. Yeah, he's, he sounds like an interesting guy, doesn't he? All right, so listen, we're going to have to do an advert, but when we get back, we're going to talk a bit more about witchcraft. Remember, come <clears> see old Russ in London, 31st and f- 31st of October, 1st of November, Rebirth. Brilliant show. You'll get to be near me. You'll get blessed up. Bless up, bless up, bless up. You'll get blessed. And uh, we're going to talk to... Next week, it looks like we're going to try and talk to Ed Stafford, Hamish and Andy. Things are just rolling on, aren't they? We're really generating some mojo on this oh. show. Who was that lady you just thanked Elizabeth Arden, the perfumier. Yes. I heard you and G like a couple of those little snicklebacks. <laughs> Thank you, Elizabeth Arden, for that. Yeah, there's a box of things for you as well. Ooh, oh, Russ, box of things. But before that mindless consumerism, here's the adverbs. Radio X. Russell Brand. That was incomparable sounds arranged into a pattern that you understood with your mind and appreciated. In this case, it was the cardigans what done it. Uh, if you want to get my book, you can. It's on Amazon. And I'll be appearing at the Henry Henley Literary Festival. Oh, Henry. You, oh. you remember him well. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Henley. Hmm. Henley, a literary festival in Henley, starring old Russ. Can you imagine such a thing? Brilliant, surely. If you want to get that, go to russellbrand.com. Seek out Tick Ticks. What's the matter? Don't actually yawn, mate. I'm a oh, brilliant broadcaster. I'm stifling a yawn. Uh, yeah, well done for stifling it, I suppose. All right, I've got some interesting, very interesting things here. Singapore! Singapore! Airport worker swapped hundreds of luggage tags. Now, you don't know about this, Why? Matt. But in Singapore, a baggage handler has been accused of sending passengers' bags to the wrong destinations by swapping luggage tags. He could be kicking it off the snow globe if he had half a brain. Tay Boon Kay has been charged with 286 counts of causing mischief for allegedly swapping tags. I love that they've got a law in Singapore that's causing mischief. You've broken our most sacred law, the mischief law. So that's two weeks in the Chicaboo Centre for you, my man. The mischief law has been broke. That's at Changi Airport. Every day for almost four months he's been doing that. The 63-year-old intends to plead guilty, the Straight Times newspaper reported. He's not explained the motive for his alleged actions. I'll tell you what it'll be. Bloody bored, isn't he? He's bored in there, lugging those cases about. Corporate, um, what do you call it? Well, like Fight Club, corporate mischief. Yeah. Yeah, He's he's trying to, he's probably a disgruntled worker, isn't he? Uh, but I like, uh, he's a bit disgruntled, yeah. But he's been doing it for ages. Every day, the disgruntled. Well, how did they get to the 286 counts? So, that, like, they must have 
that's quite hard to amass those different instances of it. Maybe they done laddering on him. Laddering something I know from watching police shows where if you get done for one thing, they'll go, look, mate, you better plead guilty to all these other bags and then we'll let you off lightly. Know what I mean, son? Know what I mean? Why is it called laddering? Because they ladder various other crimes on you. So if you say, like, if you get caught for a burglary, they say, we've got all these other burglaries in this district. Do you think you might have done them? It might make things go better for you in court if you did do them, darling. Don't say you didn't do all these various <laughs> other crimes. Nanny's got to get the figures down. Nanny's trying to run the butter all nicely. Admit to a few other crimes. That's horrible doing things like that. Don't though. make Nanny show you her hillock. <laughs> Nothing wrong with a hillock. It could be her arm. Now... You'd do something like that. Yeah, I would, actually. And I'd, uh, even though it would be very inconvenient if it was me, because it is inconvenient when you lose your luggage. We've all experienced it. We've all sort of stood there next to that carousel thinking, come on, come back to Daddy. And then you see your bag again. You think, oh, no, what am I going to say to it? I've not seen it for ages. Do I look all right? Does my breath smell? Pass me a monument. Pass me a monument. Then the bag finally comes around. But then there's one bag, not enough bag. And then you've got to go over to new desk. Excuse me, my bag didn't come to harried lady, harried lady, bored doing that all day. And then maybe the bag will come the next day or of a suitcase by a man and you have to wear different trousers for a while ah the best years of I'd, my I'd life I brought the wrong bag home from the airport once what was in it clues was it like a, a headscarf and stuff so it was a little Muslim lady's bag what did it did it have perfume on the garments nothing like my bag did you have did you rummage around much mate because I bet you had a real locked. rummage it was all locked oh I tried well how do you know there's a headscarf in it because it was in the front zip up bit I sort of pulled Ooh. it out it was like the easily accessible bit did you smell then it? I had to go back to the airport. I did smell it. It was beautiful. I always smell garments. If I find an erroneous garment, I, as quick as you like, I give it a whiff. Man, lady, what's going to happen to you, my little friend? And then uh, that's before I make my decisions. <laughs> no, I had to go back to the airport. And you, to, to get my bag, I had to go through airport security all again. It was a right mistake. Oh, I hate Awful. that. Awful. Hey, man, it's not my bag. It's not my bag, man. Is that what you said? I did say that, yeah. yeah. You had to. You remember, of course, when old Russ was trapped in an airport with a monk. God, I snivelled around that monk. in airports because of your previous crimes. Yeah, I'm always slowed down because of the old previous crimes. But I was trapped there with a lovely monk once, and he was being held back by the system, a Tibetan monk. God, he was gorgeous. Did he rub off on you? A little bit. And I snivelled right round him. Like, you know, I thought he's got a passageway to the afterlife. Know what I mean? So, like, I snivelled round him, helping him. He had a yellow passport, Matt. Yellow, golden, like sunshine. That's what the Tibetans believe in. Anyway, I was doing the translating. Took a while because I don't speak Tibetan or really the other languages that were required. So that's probably, if anything, slowed things down. But I was saying, look, he's a holy man. You guys better let him through. Mr. Brand, just step aside. Let us process. Why are you getting involved in someone else's case? I like to get involved in other cases. You know me. I'm a sucker for Only a spiritual slow person. both of you down. Yeah, probably you're right. He didn't even seem that grateful, to be honest, when he well, went Well, it wouldn't off. be. He'd be just like, oh, this will take five minutes. And, hey, this guy's a spiritual man. Look, <laughs> look under his dress. <laughs> like, doesn't want you in the way. <laughs> I did slow him down a bit, didn't I? Cuddling him, doing knuckle scrubs on his baldy bumps. <laughs> Silly business, really. But then I found out he was in Los Angeles. That's where this all took place, this, this story. Uh, he was doing a big lecture about spiritual matters. Really? He never even mentioned me in all my acts of kindness. Well, you're getting back at him now, aren't you? Makes your pig sick, doesn't it? You could have a big bless off with him. I see you blessings, mate. Oh, you better, if you bless me in a dream, you better wake up and apologise. 
So what's going on with this poor fella and why is he changing all the tags? He's swapped luggage. He sent things to San Francisco, Frankfurt, Perth and Manila. Okay, so we've uh, we've learned a lot about witchcraft last week. And finally, now we're going to put the tin hat on it by talking to a person who's going to tell us the actual facts of the matter. One of the emails here says uh, that I've incorrectly said American Indian, but that brilliant American Indian activist guy that I like, he's he, called Russell Mendez. You should check him out. Look on Brad, uh, Brad Evans, Histories of Violence. He's always retweeting one of his speeches. This guy calls himself an Indian and he makes a very good case for why he does it as well. Fascinating stuff. Fascinating stuff. Ha! Now, finally, something to talk about. Something very, very important that's going to surprise you and discredit you, Matt. And it's for once and for all going to show you up for the person that you actually are. Here it is, an email from someone called Simon. Matt Morgan, I've been watching you at train stations and the like, and I put it to you, you're a slippery character of the First Order. Absolute lie. Let <laughs> <laughs> me talk about this thing, David, on, then. about how... <clears throat> Who is it he, he actually says this might be one for the podcast, fellas, at the top. Oh. Right, can did, did... Russ and Matt confirm whether there has been any shift in brownness along the paternal winky-woo colour chart? Obviously, there's a Ponderland episode where you talk about, and we, it was a shared experience, I think, by all men. At the point of five, I, well, I can confirm that mine is espresso dark now. <laughs> <laughs> so his old man's was a definite hazelnut truffle in his heyday. <laughs> I'd prefer that he didn't use a taste reference. Why not you saying that implies, wrong, it? implies shade more than taste? That's what I would do. It's been a while since you and I have met on that level, Matt. <laughs> Since all your attentions have been transferred to Ed Stafford. No, look, let's not sexualise that because it'll undermine the whole thing. <laughs> I think let's he's an interesting... that. You watch his shows, you'll learn something. Yeah, well, in answer... He's living in the real world, man. He is living in the real world and that day will come, surely. Surely all he things gets will to, fall He gets apart. to a point most, on most of them where he's actually happy and content and he's got enough food and it's all free. He's just taking fit. He's, I mean, he's killing animals, you know. He's got to survive. But uh, whilst I, of course, am a vegetarian fellow, moving would die in those situations veganism. He, I don't think there's ever enough plant stuff. I mean, you like, you might be all right, but he generally has to eat a snake and grasshoppers and things like that. Fair enough. Now, one thing I will say is that technique you said where he's looking for a sharp stick or something to make a fire and he goes deep within his consciousness to look for it. I do that myself sometimes mm. if I'm trying to find my keys. Yeah, I've done that. <laughs> I've I'll go consciousness. That. You know where those keys are. you know what are. I do? And I think this is a thing that happens, right? I think there's a, there's a word for this. I find, I, I look, for, I'm looking for my keys and I've got yeah. like, oh, they might be there or there or there. Then yeah. I find them and then I think, oh, those other places they might have been, I still might go and look at them. Because I think, because <laughs> in my head, they were like, oh, yeah. So they had some value. Then I find my keys and I still think, oh, I still want to go and look upstairs on the old desk. You still, <laughs> you just so you've plotted a little journey for your key hunt. Then, and then I even find if you them find and the I'm keys, almost a bit disappointed. And oh. it's like you're in it for the love of looking for keys, as opposed it's to absolutely the mad. practical thing. Enjoy the journey. The journey's the thing. That's the important thing. Okay, well that's some mad rambling that you've put up with there. Why don't we just listen to a song? Listen to some adverts. When we come back, we're going to be refreshed, reinvigorated, stiff as boards. Our genitalia, dark, we're dark, twizzle them up night. And see if they blend together or it looks like a little candy cane. <laughs> so what will it be? Blended or candy cane? After these important messages. With Sky Broadband Superfast, you get reliable broadband here. <laughs> Smells good. There. Morning. Uh, and everywhere. <laughs> Sorry. 
Get guaranteed Wi-Fi in every room or money back with Sky Broadband Superfast. So reliable, it's minion-proof. Sky. Believe in better. Requires Sky Broadband Boost and Sky Kit in fibre areas only. Speeds vary by location. Minimum 3 megabits or refund on boost component of subscription paid during current minimum term up to date of claim. See sky.com slash guarantee. Russell Brand. This is Radio X. You are listening to Russell Brand on Radio X. Just listen to the energy, listen to the charge. You are marching towards glory right now. New worlds will be imagined. New realms will be realised. And even if we are in a snow globe, snow globe, don't matter, does it really, if we're on a sphere or a plane, as long as we're free, that was Kasabian of course it was. Who else would it have been? A bunch of pretenders, a bunch of flat Kasabians pretending to be them in a snow globe, snow globe. Matt, a little while ago, we talked about um, the behaviour of crowds and how back in London in the olden times, weird crazies would take hold. Have like, you read that book? Yeah, you know I keep reading it, but I'm a, I'm a very slow reader because I remember I study the subtext. I study that subtext. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I'm actually joining the dots. <laughs> I'm beginning to see a pattern. There's a pattern evolving deep, deep down. So there was glorious crazies in olden times. You know, I mean, and we have crazies in these times, don't we? Whether it's Pokemon or Pin Pin. People get into crazies. Now, in the old days, it would be things like thumbing your nose, running into a pub and going, and everyone, and it would take on, and the authorities would have to step in. Remember, delirium and madness is on the precipice of occurring at all times, whether it's a baggage handler in Singapore creating mayhem, or people coming together to create a revolution at a social, geopolitical level. Madness is awaiting. It can be ruptured at any moment. Now, Matt, for the sake of our show, for the sake of the listeners, why don't you come up with some sort of thing that we can start spreading? You inadvertently well, came we up always, with Pin actually, Pin. Well, pin, pin, pin Pin, then there was that thing, Belly Bounce, and that to say that Ling Long Ling. Belly Bounce, Ling Long Ling. People well, they, they, we constantly do come up from, so let's not force it, baby. What about a thing where you grip people by the throat and kiss them on the mouth <laughs> with all of your might? I'd love that if you could just walk up to people and kiss them. Well, you could do that in a utopia. And if we get our island, now, so far, what we're thinking is this island is going to have 100 people on it. We're going to have our own. It's going to be complete democracy. People are going to vote for what they want. It's going to be complete equality and egalitarianism, if that's what people vote for. If people don't want Russ to have a lovely fluffy goose down duvet, then old Russ won't have a fluffy when goose down duvet. When you say 100 duvet. people, what? So people without children or? Ooh, because I've got children. apart at the seams. I know. Probably it has to be families, doesn't it? Yeah. It has to be families. I mean, I think it's up to us to decide what we want. We need some experts. We need, excuse me, medical professionals. We need dieticians. We need people that are good at growing. We need people that are good at irrigation. If you think you can contribute to our paradise isle, we don't want it to be a, 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 a bunch of claptrap. We don't want it to fall uh, brittle, broken, before it like, would to, uh, to, to die in the crib. We're never going to do this. We're never going to do this. We might have to, mate, because I've been in America, and I'll tell you now, Trump's America is falling apart. There's a real bad vibe there, like on the streets. Like when you're in an airport or you're walking about, like American people, in spite of what you might think of America, American people are actually very beautiful people. And it, the thing that's sad about America today, I think, is that it could have been a wonderful country. You don't need to make America great again. You need to allow America to realise the greatness that's always been within it. It's great people. It's great counterculture. But this can never happen as long as political systems are operating at the best of a powerful economic elite and uh, corporate power. So uh, that's one of the things I learned while going on chat shows in basically what I might call luxury. I still managed to glimpse the reality behind the comfy veil that I was operating what, um, on. What, what happened on these chat shows? 
as, uh, as things change, because you're promoting something that's like... A bit more serious. I went on a thing yeah. called Steve Harvey. That's on in the daytime. And uh, it's this man who's an African-American man, and he's like a friendly uncle. If you ask me, there were too long a gaps between the question and, uh, and the audience. So he's like, the audience, so there's like women saying things like, oh, I'm dating this guy, he's a bit of a bad egg. And then he'll go, listen to your mother! Listen to your mother! Like that. And when I came out as the guest, I was saying it too. Listen to your mother! I kept shouting at people <laughs> indiscriminately. Do a background check. He was telling people they need to do background checks. Like, you know. Why were you booked you... on this show? I don't know really, but I did ever. Well, I don't know if I did well. Because he had a <laughs> mug with his. He's been reduced to an icon on his merchandise. Like, say, his mug, a moustache. And like, he's a bald man with a moustache, actually. And he's uh, of the same hue as G. But, you know, basically, you know, no hair. Black man, moustache. And his mug, uh, you know, I mean, literally his mug, uh, has got, uh, it's a white mug and it has the outline of a moustache and a round head on it. Like, while I was doing the interview, being interviewed, I kept kissing that thing, <laughs> like kissing it and going, look at you on your mug, aren't you lovely? Kissing it. He didn't know what to say to that because he knew that homophobia is a thing of yesteryear, but he didn't like it because <laughs> I was undermining him by kissing. What do you mean the gaps were too long between the questions? Like he, you know, like how me, see me now, I try to be on a constant seam of interconnectivity. Basically, you can do that by listening. <laughs> you know, like, uh, he, the, the gaps was quite long, but he was a sort of a nice man and he did call me. Well, you go, Russell, how old were you? Like that. No, this is that's during the question, right? So you'd ask the question, I'd answer it, and I thought, and then he'd look like he'd tumbled into a little well for a while, and I thought, <laughs> oh, Steve Harvey's down the old well. I don't think that's his interview technique. I think that's your answering technique. Ah, I think I'm... he's just like, okay, I can't tell him to listen to his mother. Because <laughs> I was talking a lot about limitless consciousness, fractals, interconnectivity, and the divine oneness oh, that connects no. people. I was looking. I, could, at the... I know that that mug is now smashed next to a wheelie bin. <laughs> On the back of a TV <laughs> Take that out and smash it. <laughs> send me when you've smashed it. I want you to send me a photograph of it. <laughs> yeah, he wants a photograph of that smashed cup <laughs> to prove that it happened. So that was that particular show. I went on some good podcasts, Nerdist. That was wicked. I went on that. I really, really enjoyed that. I went on Joe Rogan as usual. Now Joe Rogan, he's a man whose example we might want to follow. He's built himself some sort of media empire. He's getting an even bigger studio with all the stuff that he likes: flotation tanks, fighting stuff. I did make one mistake where I told Joe Rogan that I dreamt about doing jiu-jitsu with him. <laughs> I goes, mate, I did, dreamt about you last night. I dreamt that I did jiu-jitsu with you and that I had you in side control and then you'd done this sort of flip thing. No, I'm just trying to show him that you know some of the words. Yeah, that's right, side I had control. you in side control. We both know what that means. Right. Joe. Yeah, yeah, anyway, Joe, I mean, it's, it's fine. You didn't do one of your masculine farts to impress men, did you? <laughs> you did some beers. Actually, I did so many of those because I drank this very powerful coffee drink they had there that was not very nice tasting, but All by coffee. Jingo. It had 500, no, it was in a can, mate, coffee in a can, and it had 270 milligrams of caffeine per cup. I drank two of the things. By the end of it, there was no point talking about whether or not it was wise to take DMT. I felt like I was on some sort of transcendent hallucinogenic I trip. Attack. I can't take caffeine anymore. Can't you, mate? Yeah. Even just talking about that coffee has made me do a little backdoor whisper. I did one. I did one during our chat with old Flat Earth Joe, didn't oh, I? We all heard that. John Sargent. <laughs> yeah, that was probably on well, mic. Were you doing audible ones? What did Joe Rogan say? I would just don't do that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> muffler. Quiet. Like in the Great Escape, shaking little bits of sand out of trouser leg. Hey, does someone hear a noise? Then no. 
I don't think so, Joe. Now, if you had somebody in rear naked choke, which I've always liked the name of, would you kiss them and cuddle them, or is that one moral-wise? You've never heard someone do such a long analysis of Conor McGregor without knowing the first thing about ultimate fighting as me, <laughs> trying to chain it luckily to the world of myth, the unconscious, and uh, Marxist theory just to keep things going. It, and by God, did I keep it going. It went Three on hours, and on. isn't it? I'm in there two and a half hours. When you come out, it's one of those things where, you know, if you stay at a party, too long and then it's the morning and then you come out the next day you feel all sort of unusual and the world doesn't make yeah. sense and you think I just want to go to my nan's house and have some omelette and chips and really really settle back down and have a cuddle <laughs> I felt like that when I come out but then Joe Rogan took me to his other studio with his mate Joe Rogan I mean he's intensely male like you know what I mean yeah. he's like a stand up comic he's a really good at fighting in all sorts of different ways he's a very male figure I mean he's an extremely clever guy also yeah, yeah. but it's um you know, I had to sustain quite a lot of masculinity. I Why? Mean, Why do you feel that you have to come up to his level? Possibly up. Possibly because <laughs> <laughs> possibly because I think I am quite... All of us talk dialects, right? This is one of David Foster Wallace's theories, that we use dialect. Like, And like, if I was around people that are very posh, I will talk a bit posher. If I'm around people that are very working class, I will talk more working class. And I don't think that's necessarily like, oh, I'm some chameleon that doesn't have a personal identity. I do have an identity. But like, it's like a, a, a willingness to sort of connect. You don't sort of, you know, so I don't know. So I think that's why a little bit. On what Steve Harvey's show... What did you show, turn into? Because that sounds like you went, hey, Joe... Like you turned American and huge and muscly. Yeah, I mostly was doing... Well, I sometimes go the other way, though, because I'm friends with Danny Dyer, and when I'm, like, talk to Danny Dyer, I actually, like, I'm little Lord Fauntleroy. Oh, Danny, how are you, dear? <laughs> Might I fetch you a cup of tea? Like, you know what I mean? Like, with Danny Dyer, I don't try to out Danny Dyer, Danny Dyer. That's no, too, I mean, no. you, you can't go there with Joe Danny. Rogan can't... He probably doesn't want you to be masculine around him. Yeah. He probably just wants you to be like Kenneth Yourself. Williams. No, Joe. <laughs> Joe. Stop, stop messing about. Oh, no. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm basically being myself, but like, it's a, the podcast environment is a very tough level to sustain, you know, like a lot of analysis and stuff, you know? So there was that. Mm. Then there was, uh, who else was I on? Oh, Wendy Williams. I mean, that man, them t- that he, a woman in this case, like, uh, like it's, uh, that's a tumble dryer of madness. Daytime American television. I mean, they just, all they're going to do is ask you about Katy Perry. That's all there is to it. And you just have to What's feel that stuff. What's your stock response now to that? Just be positive and kind. Just be positive and kind. But the thing is, is when there's subsequent sort of gossipy writing about it, it always looks like I've sort of burst onto TV sets and shout, I was married to Katy Perry! <laughs> <laughs> but in fact, I sit there and try to be taken seriously as a, one of the world's great self-help authors and possibly Jesus too, maybe, who knows. And they're like, and they just obviously want to ask about Katy Perry quite a lot of the time. What's that other thing that happened? Oh yeah, some of the stuff I say on this show gets taken up and put into the news, so I've got to be careful about the stuff I say on here. Mm. For example, we shouldn't be starting an ethnocentric and national state. That's a joke. I've never said that. So, um, yeah, what else? Colbert, that was good. I mean, the thing is, we're going on an American chat show. You have to wait around for ages while all sorts of gorgeous people come and cluck around you. And then uh, you're sort of kicked out there for six chilly minutes on a freezing cold set. have to conjure up some brilliance and clear off again. It's a tremendous and peculiar way to make mm. a living. But worth it, though, because it's a chilly. bloody good book. It? What, they all... Always keep their sets really cold to keep the audience awake. Lights. 
Oh, really? No, because the audience is all bored out and they're nuts. They've been in their hours. I mean, think it's the mass, it's the experience of huge disillusionment, isn't it? Like you go to a TV record, you think, oh my God, I'm going to see these stars on the TV. And then you get there and no one will let you go to the toilet and it's bloody freezing. You're the guest. (laughs) Hey, come on. Come on. It's freezing in here. And now this bloke's talking about (laughs) quantum physics. (laughs) Someone who didn't even get his GCSE in science is telling me about how all matter emerged from consciousness and he can prove it with his gut instincts. Nothing more than that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've been on a hell of a ride together this week, haven't we? Come see me, London, 31st of October, 1st of November. Get yourself this brilliant book. I'll tell you one thing, because everyone's talking about the problem. This book is the solution. Whoever you are, I know that you can connect better to reality. I know you can get on the intended path and become the person you were meant to be. Unpick your head from the conditioning using my book, Old Russ Recovery. Now, we're probably going to have to talk to Kerry the Witchcraft Lady on the podcast because she simply hasn't called in because she's a teacher and I think she's teaching at school and that's all there is to it. So she'll be with a podcast. Priorities, Kerry. Listen to... Listen to this podcast. Remember, you could be like uh, Simon, who's going to be behind a glass panel. If you can just send us evidence of getting people to download it, sending us surging up those charts. It isn't under the skin. There's lots to learn there. And listen to this podcast and tell your friends, subscribe and review it nicely. Matt, you've got some little reviews there. What people have people been saying in the reviews for the podcast? Well, I know that people have been gushing all over us. So, like I mean, they're all five stars here. Good, I think brilliant. Been, uh... Well done, everyone. What else have they been saying? Just stuff about but we're brilliant. Emery boards, <laughs> Emery boards, just good as stuff. childish as ever. Excellent, five stars. Uh, it's like a smoothie of fun for my ears. Five stars, excellent. Well, this is a five star show, and I don't mean that, like that band from Essex, although they were good and I liked them. So now to summarise all of this stuff as best he can, using rhymes and genitals that have remained consistently the same colour throughout his life. <laughs> it it is poet laureate of the show, the great. Mr. G. Woo! Okay, this, this poem's called Who Put a Spell on You? Some would say the Earth's like a disc, an Achilles shield with an Antarctic wall. But were the spell of its sacred geometry to be revealed, down would come baby, cradle and all. A spell is a word of power, an arrangement of letters, a season of time. As we listen to our ancient mothers and fathers, backdoor whispers form our signs. Does a rubber mask conceal our plight? Does a hazelnut truffle greet us every night? Or is our luggage endlessly spinning around this snow globe like the Black Knight satellite? Our spells are words of power. They comprise the legislation of our minds. But in order for me to put a spell on you, I must already know that you're mine. Yes. That's interesting. I've got a shiver from that last bit. Who's that to, that last bit? Who's he saying that to? I must know that you're mine. Mr. G, (laughs) Trump's first victim there. (laughs) First victim of Donald Trump. His American mother-in-law lives with him, and we are assured that that's a brilliant experience. G, you should probably know about this email from a man called Peter. He says, Russell, how about some poems on your show? (laughs) Where have you been, Peter? Peter. You sexist pig. Like we've been trying our hardest. Join us on the podcast. Get your friends to listen to this because we believe in freedom. We believe in you in the deep ocean of your unconscious mind. Stop going into rants. Don't do the rants. Bring your voice down a little bit. Yep, go on. That's it. That now, let, right. now. There's no energy in this. It's boring. Oh. We believe in you. Let's connect an archipelago of glory. We are one continent. It doesn't matter if it's flat, round, or zigzagged. We are all one. And we will join you next week with our washboard tummies, some dirty scummy, yesterday's mummy, and some lovely new stories. Crunch up the paper, put it down your trousers, and let's live the dream, baby. Nuts. <laughs> Nuts. This. This. 
Radio X. Russell Brand. Well, I hope you enjoyed that radio show. That was simply a group of men trying their best to be entertaining. Now, one of the um, emails you probably would have heard, and if you are a person who listens to this show regularly and you've got mental health issues, we bloody well love you. We'll cut you up so hard, and you're not alone, and we love you, and we're all together at the vulnerable place of our mutual wound. Don't be childish about that, Matt. Mutual wound is a serious phrase I've been using. Now, Kerry wrote an email. she go, I'm a bit of an expert on witchcraft in early America and I'm in the process of applying for a PhD on witchcraft in 17th century America. Good luck, mate. <coughs> Attitudes towards sexuality. That was a special effect. Attitudes towards sexuality and those who went native in America that Matt and I were talking about, how some of the early settlers in the United States of America yes, went yeah. off and uh, joined sort of the Cherokee and various different tribes, seduced by the native and Aboriginal life, a life of connection where we are at one with nature, like Matt's new boyfriend, Ed Stafford, <laughs> um, were insane. I've got a raft of anecdotes, goes Kerry, you'd find entertaining. Buggery. Raft of them. A whole raft. I suppose the word raft must initially have meant sort of some things tied together with string. Uh, buggery, men being accused of doing it with pigs because the piglets look like them. And my favourite sexy wild man, Thomas Morton, who I think came up when I was on uh, Stephen Colbert and then I went Thomas Burton and felt a bit embarrassed. And afterwards he goes, it's, it's, uh, it's Merton, by the way. He said really? To him afterwards. Very who sweet. was he then? Like, like an early settler who went a bit wild? He was a wild early... Well, this one that he was talking about, Stephen Colbert, was some sort of Catholic You've got Native American blood. I am Native American. No, you're not. Oh. You've got some blood. Yeah, You're not Native American, aren't if, you? What For instance, it? you've got a beard. They don't grow beards. Did you oh. know that? Ooh. And did you also know that there's carvings that predate Columbus of men with beards? My people in America. Yeah, didn't grow the beards, went there. but I do grow beards. Well. So that's why I'm a bit different. But I might be the new advanced type of me. Okay, so your half-formed theories are pretty accurate, says Kerry. Annoying that I studied so much. So here is a person called Kerry that's doing a PhD. She's here. Her name is Kerry Apps, which for me seems like a person that I would know at school. In though at school it was Julie Apps. Who was it at your school, Matt? There was a, there was a couple of apps. The apps were all. This is even before we had apps on our phones. Weren't at my school. They were in Dartford. I can't remember that. The apps were everywhere. Julie apps was at my school. And then you had these apps. And there was no apps on phones there, like apps like Twitter or Facebook. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter if you do want to. Uh, but in them days, apps. Apps was everywhere. Now the apps are back. Here's Kerry apps. Apps, how's it uh, going? All right. Hi. Hi, guys. How are you? We're good. Where are you from? I'm um, you know what? Matt's saying Dartford. I'm actually, I'm from South London. I'm not from too far away. Mm. I am one of those weird South London apps. What's the, what's what's the uh, etymology of the name apps? Apps. So um, I actually looked into it. It's a bit awkward, actually. My family are from um, Southern Ireland, so we're a bit Republican. But turns out wrong it's with an old. Well, what's wrong with that? Because English she's going to tell you, it's an old English name. So. Abby, yeah, Abby. Exactly. <laughs> so I was quite, you know, I grew up. I was a bit radical, a bit of a socialist, and then I found out that I had a surname of the oppressors, which wasn't great. Very cruel, very cruel, yeah. very hypocritical of you cruel in your name, if you say. ask me. Absolutely. Now, uh, Kerry Apps, with your school name, you claim to know loads of stuff about uh, Native American early settlers. You're doing a PhD in it. Matt and I were telling the stories how uh, uh, people would get right off that Mayflower and dance their way yeah. into Susie Sue and the Banshees. Now, tell us a bit <laughs> more about all that, if you want. All right, so um, you mentioned Thomas Morton. I heard that when you uh, when I was waiting for it to come online. Um, he was actually, in my email, I said, you know, having a little bit of blood in you, you might feel like it's a bit up. 
in that. Apps, what, your in, bloody phone ain't working right, Kerry Apps. Oh, Where are you doing no, this from? Are you in a lift? Me. You sound like you're in a no, lift. I'm literally, I'm in my classroom at my school. That you hear me all right now? No, it's rubbish. Go somewhere a bit uh, better. Oh. Go by the swings, by the swings. You're at a school, <laughs> are you? Where is this school? Yeah, I am. I'm in South London, in Lambeth. Oh, dear. Oh, no. Can you imagine <laughs> the standard of education in Lambeth? Oh, What's coming up after yeah. the break? Doing the Lambeth walk? What were you doing before it? Cockles and whelks <laughs> in the playground? Well, absolutely. Now, these are just prejudiced remarks that I'm making simply to pass the time. Uh, have you got a better signal now, Kerry Apps? Yeah, can you hear me all right? That's really better. really that well. Better. Now, yeah. tell us about these early settlers. Tell us about their culture. Tell us what will be the lure of nature. Will mankind ever overcome lure. the oppression of civilization and return to our indigenous roots? Hmm? Um, the, that was a great intro. Um, the issue is that lots of people went out to America with kind of this idea that white Western society was so much better than what they would find when they got to America. So you see that when they first are writing about going out there, Oh, it's going to be amazing. We're going to have all these riches. Life is great. We're going out there to Christianize the Native Americans. Mm. And then when they get there, what you get is loads of sources written back where men start to go, oh, um, the ladies don't really wear a lot of clothes. And they, the men don't seem to work as much as we do. And so they go from sort of not really liking early America to suddenly realizing quite a lot of them that actually it's quite good. Um, so you get loads of people who all of a sudden disappear off with the natives. Where is this happening? Was, on the west coast of America? Where are these people landing? And which particular tribe? Oh, yeah, because that's nearer. So, oh, I get it. Oh, yeah, go west. Yeah. So it's on the east so, coast of uh, America. Yeah, so the most famous people that grow, go over are the pilgrims. So when you've heard of the Thanksgiving story, that links to them. The idea that they were going over to build the famous city on the hill. So we're going to create this amazing sort of English, um, very Puritan settlement. But there's a guy that goes over who mucks it right up straight away. So he's called Thomas Morton, and he isn't really that religious. So what he does is he Look, breaks away. I'm not away. really that religious. I just said that <laughs> Look, before I'm we got on the really boat. I just said that get a bunk bed. <laughs> I just yeah, I just wanted to get over. Now I'm here. Actually, I'm going to have some fun. So what he does is he breaks off from the main pilgrim group in Massachusetts and builds his own settlement on top of a hill. <clears throat> and he has Native American ladies come round, um, loads of men defect from the pilgrims and go hang out with him. And he creates this really sort of wild, almost a bit like, you know, when you see films of pirates, like you watch Pirates of the Caribbean films, everybody's a bit drunk and yeah. free. And is it a bit like and the Ewok village as well, there where there's little... Uh, that's, that's what I imagine. Bits of string tying a house to a on. tree. And like little bridges yeah. between houses and bongo drums and the Ewoks. I mean, there's no sources to say that, but I'd like to imagine that. <laughs> Don't worry about sources at a time like this. We've got Ewoks to consider. <laughs> so he set up a utopia as soon as he got there. Now, I think that yeah, might have been a better much. way to go. I think we'd have been better off with... No, uh... I think so too. Yeah, oh. absolutely. So when, I, when I teach it to my students, I often say, if you could put me back at any point in history, I would go back and be an American. Because there was a little... There was more equality... And there also wasn't, I mean, it sounds like, you know, in previous weeks so you've been talking about creating your island. Yep, we're going to do that. We're going to um, get it off Hamish yeah. and Andy, the Australians. Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> so you might want to look up the Native Americans and how they lived because there was more, less division of labour. Everybody worked together and there wasn't that sense of individualistic ownership. Mm. Everybody worked together and owned everything as a group. 
it's going to be great. Tension with the English. We're going to have yeah. Ed Stafford, the survival expert, in a pair of denim hot pants, <laughs> holding <laughs> Matt in his arms, kissing his neck, <laughs> and setting up a lovely utopian village. It's going to be pretty. I good. heard that you were saying that he fancied. Uh, well, oh, you were saying that Matt fancied him. <laughs> yeah, Matt fancied him. I respect him. He's amazing. You respect his little body. The man of the wild. You respect his winky boob. Now, okay. So the the Native Americans, though, they did um, they did quite brutally kill other tribes and also people in their tribe who didn't toe the line, though, didn't they? So it wasn't all. No, it wasn't all natives. No, so the word tribe, like the Pequots and also Powhatans, who had a massive amount of power across. Native America, which was this amazing you think that the English Signals rise, going, Kerry, uh, get back by the swings. No. Back by the swings. <laughs> you're walking and talking. Right. Stay away from the... This is like being on the phone to you when you're in the country. Is it? Oh, yeah, you so go, boring. Matt, I've got some interesting... <laughs> I see shapes. Shapes in my country. <laughs> go on, Kerry, tell us about so, it. All right, no, that's all right. What was I even saying? Oh, you were going... So when the... You were saying something about the Ewoks. No, she wasn't. I was, I was, Talking I about the bad the things they did. Oh, yeah, the wrong yeah, ends. So I was going to say, it takes, like, if you think about it, the English first arrived in America around 1607, and it takes so nearly about 200 five past years. Four. No. About five past four in our time, if <laughs> yeah. you're thinking about the right, doomsday clock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a, that was Funny. A <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Kerry. So 1607, we, the English, God bless us, arrive. Thomas Merton's there. He's got a brilliant idea. Well, it takes, the, the thing that's amazing about the Native Americans is it takes us about 200 years to even get across the whole of America to the West Coast, California, the Gold Rush, all that. But the Native Americans, these amazing tribal links that went across the whole of the continent. So there were really powerful tribes in Virginia that had so much power that they were steady trading with, like, Mexico and the East Coast, right? Um, but... Yeah, it is true. Rose tinted glasses. I mean, they they are really good at killing each other at the same time. And did I, in the book that I was reading, that tribe book, it said that they, <clears throat> when they wanted to have a big meeting of all the tribes to discuss what they were going to yeah. do about the white man, they sent out these blankets, and the way they'd stitched the blankets had in included in it, so they could read it the date and time and place of where it was going to be, so that the white man couldn't read it. But all the tribes, even though they were different tribes, could could read the information in the blankets. Yeah, well, it was really, nice. so it was really clever. Blankets. They had this really clever shared culture. Uh, they also had this really amazing form of warfare that the British just couldn't get their heads around. And that's called skulking warfare. So they use nature mm. and their environment that's to be able to attack. Very that's what clever. I Very I've clever. Used skulking. I've always skulked. You have. Well, no, it's better. Why then? It's going into a field and going right. You stand there, we'll stand there, and then all march at each other. Yeah, they yeah, were individualistic exactly. fighters, so they didn't stand in a block. They just skulked about yeah. in the woods. Good, it's good. That's what Which I'd do. I'd probably the special English forces. were really angry about. I skulk. Yeah, exactly. Well, if you, and then if you're an English person, you're really angry because they're not following our lovely rules of war, where we stand in one straight line. Brilliant. What have you got against the English? Yeah, come on. We're English. <laughs> England. I know. It is really difficult being a history teacher because the more, the more you read about history, the more you're like, oh, um, we weren't that great going back. But, All right, hold on. You know, I'm going to blow your little mind now, Kerry. What do you mean right. by we? Is it, what is, this, uh, what is well, we? Who are this hegemonist we? exist. Exactly. That's right. I mean, we don't know who we is. That, that, in fact, is the key terminology of grammar is the establishment of these kind of categories. I mean, 
I don't identify with no Viet Cong, or I've got no beef with Viet Cong, as Muhammad Ali famously said, meaning, like, why would we have allegiance to particular power systems or particular power structures? In fact, I suppose the point of this uh, sort of avenue that we're ambling merrily along is to say that certain people, when they arrived with the possibility of utopia, recognised that the previous systems under which they had laboured were just one option. Now, if we can make analogous to this the idea that mental and spiritual space is the same as continental territory, we could throw off the shackles once again. We could once more say, why are we living under this system where 70% of your time is spent working? We don't get to be with the people you love. We have no leisure time. Oh, well, because there's no alternative system. Because there was the clear and visual experience of crossing an ocean and arriving on new land, and then the example of indigenous people living in a different way, which Matt points out wasn't perfect because those people were, you know, occasionally very, very brutal. Brutality does seem to be part of the but human age experience. That yeah. is nature. We are nature. We are nature. So as much as it's bad now that we are disconnected from nature, our society does protect us from violence a lot of the time. Like, it would be a lot worse if there was no police and stuff. It protects us from a particular kind of violence as long as we stay within certain parameters. Now, old Brad Evans, what he's an expert on is the violation, the violence of the mind, where you're like, you know, where if you sort of look at you, Matt, on a personal level, go, I want to live differently. Well, you can't. Because you have already you already exist within certain contracts, you can't say yeah. I'd like to live in yeah. a different way. Now, that, some people would say that that is a form of violence, and I think that the next phase of our evolution—I don't know quite how we're going to get there without cataclysm—is when we once again challenge these structures. Because it won't be this time a geographic resettling. It won't be like, oh, well, although we are trying to get an island, and God knows I'd love that island. You know, it will be more like. I don't want to cooperate or be determined or defined by this system. I think part of that, moving forward to that, is, like Kerry says, we need to <clears throat> stop going we. Oh, we were bad in history. Yeah, I yeah. wasn't there. I didn't do it. None of us Oh yeah, were alive. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, human. Like, we need to go, oh, yeah, some bad stuff happened. And also slavery. There was, like, African tribes selling African people. There was people running ships geez laughing there was there was loads of stuff it wasn't just and also the people who abolished slavery were those english people yeah but where'd the money go yeah where's the money go they didn't get the money did they follow the money follow the money follow the money you find the crime there definitely is that was such a thing called colonialism it is definitely true that sort of european colonial powers established the royal family got money we didn't not not us that's true blokes from kent we're hated for something we had nothing to do with and didn't benefit from so in a way we need to find new allegiances and new ways of categorizing ourselves on one another but we do need to recognize uh, those of us that are white men those of us that are males that we are benefiting if unconsciously from certain systems that went before us and I suppose that means we have to have a certain solidarity with oppressed people and a willingness to reach out for them while recognising the limitations of identity politics but we all need to just go right let's like bad things happen let's move on and try and create a new world but that's easier for us to say it's not for us to make that decision because we were not in oppressed groups unless you consider from the perspective of class or me as a Bajani Jew or I am now as you recognise. <laughs> White slaves. White slaves as well. All right. Well, the word, you know... Oh, sorry. Go on, Kerry. I was just going to say, did you know um, the word slave actually comes from Slavic? So uh, that's mm. not to say, I've gotten into massive arguments with people before who've been like, oh, white slaves. And the thing that I always say to them is, if you imagine, like, um, centuries, millions of people being transported versus some Cornish people being nicked by a North African, it's a bit different. But what I was going to say, just really quickly, because I know you probably want me off the line, was... Good, good instincts, like, good instincts. I know. Well, I'm a teacher, I know where to move from. Um, <laughs> what I was going to say is, 
the idea of like breaking down constructs and these ideas of who we are. Yeah. The Native Americans and the English people who assimilated with them are a great example of how that is really threatening to the people who are in power because yeah. lots of those English men and women who did run off with the natives and like there were people who went out and hunted them, dragged them back to the towns that they lived in and then had them hung. So it really that is threatening. So in a modern sense, if you want to break off those barriers, there will always be people who fight back. You will be dragged say. back and, and possibly it's the gallows. Well done, Kerry. That was a brilliant contribution. Thanks, Kerry. Your students are lucky to have you. Thanks for making time for us. Fit a phone mast wherever you are. I mean, I'm not one of these wacky environmentalists. Get older. Orange, stick up a tower, guys. Orange, is that still one of them? Oh, two. Thanks, Kerry. See you later, mate. I mean, that was a very valuable contribution. We're learning a lot more about this tribal utopia that we're unconsciously moving towards throughout these broadcasts, Mm. aren't we? Seems that we're actually real idealists of a lot of us, aren't we? Yeah. Don't pick your lugsy holes, mate. Not in a broadcast. Well, I didn't pick it. I put my finger in my ear and wiggled it. Yeah. Neil says that we're going to have an audience soon. Isn't that right, Neil? Yeah. What? Well, we're going to have an audience for one of our shows, and what it's going to be just job. great. There's a little theatre downstairs. We can do a show in, in, in front of a live audience if you want. And mm. if you want to be part of that audience, you have to get 10 subscribers and send us information. How many people evidence. can be in the audience? How big is it? 50. We, we might need to do a draw. Russell at... We won't because no one's sending us anything to be behind the glass panel. We'd be lucky if we'd have to tell people to bring inflatable (laughs) dolls to fill up the front row. Right, so send it at Russell at Radio X. That's uh, evidence that you've got at least 10 people to subscribe to our podcast. It could be vocal evidence or it could be a photograph of their subscription page. Also follow me at Rusty Rockets. Follow me at True Russell Brand on Instagram. Follow Matt underscore Morgan and join this crazy giddy party. Also, you probably want to look at G's online poems. Do you do poems online, G? Yeah, I've got a SoundCloud site. I'm on Twitter, Mr. G Poet. There you well, go. What's going on with your band? The band is good. <laughs> How is Huey Lewis yeah. in the news? Yeah, we're doing, we're doing good. Matt, because yeah. G's in a secret band. And what's that other secret thing he's in? Oh, yeah, he hangs out with Chris Moyles and Dermot O'Leary behind our backs and offers them his poems on the sly. <laughs> Have poems, we'll travel. Crafty. Crafty bugger. All right, well, I hope you've all enjoyed that. That's simply some, mostly men, let's be honest, trying their best to be good people. But there's one woman in the form of Jenny Mae Finn, an Irish woman. Very good at internet, the Irish. Very good at internet. (laughs) Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. If you liked it, subscribe to it. Five stars only. Remember to listen to Under the Skin as well. I've been in America. I've learned a lot about promo. See you later. What what you want to say? Go on, bless your book. Yeah, you just do. do that. I will bless, bless it. Bless it. Bless it. I want to see how you do it. Don't like mess about. I ain't messing about. Right. Glorious book. I wrote you from a position of truth. No, don't Within do there, there it are verbally. Great codes. Great codes. Like, for example, this is a way, whoever you are, to unpick the conditioning this is not of a your blessing. time. No, no. This is Whether just a, it's conscious or unconscious. Blessed. I want a book blessed, not like just... You are already programmed. Either you've got the unconscious program that you're working... Hold on a minute, I turned down my own mic. No, I didn't. Hey! <laughs> there you are, darling. Hello. Hello. Well, look, I'm just saying that either you've got a conscious program or you've got an unconscious program. No, I want to see. Right, someone comes up to you and goes, Will you bless my book? People and like, never say because bless you, my book. They st- will start. I've seen the pictures of you. You're Christ nearly Christ. at the point where you put your hand on someone's head and they fall over. Yes, yes. I've, I've had that happen to me. And it was I brilliant. feel the power. 
You get built like that's what you're going towards. Good, and someone good. will come up to you and go, Can you bless this book or can you bless my child or something? And yeah. you need to work out a little hand movement. And a what do you suggest? Motion. Just the palm. Oh, this is what I'm going to do open palm, but very much favouring the heel of the hand into the Adam's apple. Yes. <laughs> that's that's well, that for children. But blessy, we'll blessy. I think you should, yeah, do that. Just, I, I think, a little swish of the hand yeah. and bless you, bless you. Yeah, but what if I let my eyes roll back in my head like this? Oh, so it goes white But it's snow. too much energy because when there's like 10 things to bless, you'll spunk it on the first one. No, I can bless it all en masse like they do wine. No, What's you the can't. difference between, they bless communion wine like that. What's the difference between the Catholic Church doing their blessings and me doing my blessing? Nothing but history. We're all divine. We all have access to the limitless, infinite oneness within. Recovery, available now on Amazon or on my website. It's your way out of the ghetto. The ghetto See, when I was a kid, mind, if you had a Bible, you could take it to church and say to the priest, can you bless this? Because it's already a Bible. Once yeah. it's blessed, it's more... Double it's Bible. Like, yeah. Double Bible. What about if within the pages of the Bible you had concealed a naughty picture of a bum? <laughs> then the priest would have blessed the bum, wouldn't it? He would bum have done. Bless. Yeah. Brian Blessed's doing a talk. Want to come? Well, these are just brilliant tangents. <laughs> Imagine that, a talk from Brian Blessed. He'll be amazing, won't he? Imagine yeah, what's he going to talk about? His stories, his anecdotes. I was on set. Hold on a minute. How does he talk? He's That's not Winston Churchill. Um, oh, it's Gordon! Gordon is alive! Like he's pushing out a poo, isn't it? That's yeah. what it sounds like. He's, his bottom's always dilated. And it's that, that last bit where you go, ah, and you surrender to Who it. Who does that? Everyone does. When you surrender what are you talking it. about? Go to the toilet. We're having sex. Both, actually. Now, there's a, the bit of the sweet surrender. What Duran Duran, is it called them? Would call the moment of sweet surrender. Is that Duran Duran? There's a moment, who is that? Spandau Ballet? The moment of sweet surrender where you give into it, your bottom's dilated, and you go, oh. And if you've spoken that voice, it'd sound like this. Where's mummy's milk? <laughs> I don't have that. Of course you do. Look, you know what you need you to do? Poo, get a focus. squatty potty. Get your knees up. I've got a squatty potty. Have you? Of course I have. What do you think oh, I am, I bet it's covered in pup. No way, mate. It just has my little tootsies on it, that. Hey, squatty potty! Squatty potty! Harry Potter! <laughs> All right, that's enough of that for one day. Thank you. We're trying our best. And whatever you felt inside, thats it's not our fault. We were trying, weren't we? Yeah. Mm. All right, I love you. Nanny's tablet. Oh, no. Russell Brand. Radio. Radio.